Welcome. We have been waiting for you. They do not want you to be here. But where others fail, you will succeed. Forget the cell. In this space, time is endless. You are now experiencing the fourth dimension. Are you ready for what lies ahead? Your mind will transcend reality. Your consciousness will be sharpened like a sword. You will lose all connection to the outside world. And nothing will ever be the same again. You have arrived. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome. Hello there. Thanks for joining us. Loosen up. Got a big one for you. Settle in. I'm not going anywhere for a while. You can go wherever you want. I'm going to be here for a long time, though. I've got so much stuff. You can come and go. That's fine. I'm not going to lock you into anything. Never been big on commitment. Hello there. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. It's Thursday. It's the free for all. I am Boogie Bumper. This is the Daily Boogie. It's the first Thursday of the week and the last Thursday of the week. Thanks so much for joining us. What an absolute pleasure to see you there. Absolute pleasure. Hope you've had a lovely day. I certainly have. Mookie Thief, thanks for joining us. Um, just a little plug for Mookie. Mookie Thief is a very thoughtful guy who who has uh, compelling arguments about things in the world, and you should follow him. And he just he does a little you know ten minute chat here and there, to and from work mostly. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mook. But he's a good follow. Always had something interesting to say. Always try to catch him when I can. So check out Mookie Thief. There you go. There's, there's my good deed for the day. It was either that or helping an old lady cross the street. But to be honest, <laughs> I, I was, I was, you know, like, i got to be somewhere. Sorry. Sorry. You'll be right. You've been walking across the road for the last... 80 years. I'm sure you'll manage one more without me. It'll be fine. Didn't matter. Didn't help if it, that it was my grandmother, but hey, what are you going to do? Sometimes, 
sometimes you just got to be somewhere else, right? Yeah, I love my family. So like I said, thanks for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to see you there. It's a tight group tonight. It's a very tight group tonight. But now tonight would be the night to uh, settle in with a bottle of wine. We haven't done a free-for-all for a few weeks. So tonight would be the night to get yourself together. So like a big bowl of popcorn or your favorite potato chips, something like that. Renee, thanks for joining us. Laurie, good to see you. People coming on in. Everyone is on Periscope moving over, Renee said on YouTube, and then instantaneously was here saying hello to everyone else. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not big on YouTube. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not big on YouTube. I don't know. Maybe I have to change my approach. Maybe I have to change my headlines or my meta or something. I'm not sure. But that's okay. That's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. It's all good. So, yeah, like I said, tonight would be the night to grab a bowl of popcorn, get yourself a six-pack, a 12-pack, even a case, a carton, a flagon, get some port, get some red wine, perhaps. Um, did you see this this thing that came out during the week? I retweeted it because it was so ridiculous. Somebody, you know, it, there's always these fucking studies. Pardon my French if you're French. I don't... I, <laughs> We're starting off well. I've got enough material to last 10 hours and I'm already rambling. I'm already going off track. So you can see what kind of show this is going to be. We're going to expose some truth here. The truth I want to expose is why do we say pardon my French when we're not speaking French? When we swear. Like, do the French people just walk around calling each other fuckface all day? Like, how does that work? Fuck, pardon my French. Pardon? If you say, fuck off, in France, they'll go, pardon, monsieur. No speakers of English. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, in a Pringles can. That was a good night. We had fun that night. So there was this study that came out that said, if you drink a bottle of wine a week, it has the same effect as smoking 10 cigarettes. So obviously you can't drink wine. I don't know, it might be an old wives' tale, but... I always remember, you know, doctors saying no, a glass of wine a day is good for you. Red wine, right? But then I'm thinking like, I can go back and I'm sure you guys are the same. I can go back in my entire life, you know, the filing cabinet of my memory for my entire life. And I can remember like, it feels like every single day or every couple of days you'll be watching the news or those current affairs shows when you're a kid growing up. And they'll discover something else that kills you. Like every week, week after week after week after week after week. You know, like, oh, this week, if you eat too much tomatoes, your liver is going to explode. Don't drink, don't eat, drink too much orange juice or you'll get, you know, gout and die. Scientists discover that eating too much bacon is going to make your stomach implode on itself and pig fat will fly out of your mouth as though it were, were replicating lava spewing from an active volcano. Like, all of these ridiculous things. Like, everything kills you. And then I'm thinking, wine? A bottle of wine a week is now too, too much? We've been drinking wine for thousands of years. Literally, thousands of years. 
they say that they say there are too many people on Earth now. If one percent of all of the things that they say kill us actually killed us, I doubt that there would be a population crisis. I doubt that there would be too many people on Earth. Especially if a bottle of wine a week was too much. Wouldn't there be like only a billion people walking around right now because everybody else would have cancer and be dead? You see what I'm, you see what I'm saying here? And for the God-fearing people amongst us, Jesus turned water into wine. Can we now confirm that Jesus had a blatant disregard for the health and well-being of the flock? When he changed the water into wine, did it did it did it come with like a surgeon general's warning as well? And he then changed the water into wine. And he said unto them, "Now, drink in moderation. You drink too much of that stuff and you're going to get cancer and die." Maybe he did. Somewhere in the back probably in the back of the Bible. I'm not sure. Like I said, I haven't read it all. I, tr- I tried. Sorry, big guy. Some of that Deuteronomy stuff, though. It's like, look, if I want if I want advice on how to roast a pig, I'll come back. I'll come back to you. <laughs> if I want adv- advice on how to tie my shoelaces the right way, I'll, I'll come back. I'll be back. But for now, I think I'll stick with the Velcro. So tonight would be a night because I've got so much to go through, so much stuff going on. It's a, it's a night to settle in. It's a free-for-all. It's going to be a marathon. So thanks for sticking around, at least for the opening part. I'm sure you'll be bored and <laughs> drunk <laughs> before the show is over. I might be bored and drunk by the, before the show is over with the amount of crap we've got to go through. But if you do stick around... Uh, just remember that you can become a supporter of the show by heading over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. You can subscribe to the podcast by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tell me about your wine stories, nothing too depressing, no, please, please. You know, I don't, I don't want any depressed drunks rolling up and talking to me about their problems. Honestly, I've got enough of those my own. I don't need any of yours. So, if you'd like to do that, you can follow me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. Ladies and gentlemen, stretch, get loose. Let's rock and roll. We'll kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the Shredder. It's time for the Shredder. It's time for the Shredder. Lady Fritzer in the chat giving me unsolicited lecturing, Bible lecturing. <laughs> Thank you, Lady Fritz. <laughs> Testament means covenant contract, so the New Testament is a new deal called grace. I hope it's not the Green New Deal. Maybe maybe Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would have better luck pushing through that piece of garbage if she called it the Green Covenant. Maybe that would be more appropriate. The Green New Testament. She might get those evangelicals on board, finally. Finally, something she has yet to do. Uh, For today's Shredder, we've gone to one of my personal favourites, as always, Salon. After Mueller, Donald Trump's political warfare enters a dangerous new phase. Now it's dangerous. Now it's real. The, The whole rest of the time, Donald Trump was just playing friendly. But now it's getting dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. Trump's political warfare. 
Does a seven-page memo by a far-right Steve Bannon protege explain everything about Trump's erratic policies? Probably not. Probably not. I would suggest most definitely not if we apply current logic, that being a four-page memo absolutely could not in any way, shape or form explain anything about a report that took 22 months to write, but apparently a seven-page memo can explain everything about one man's complex and nuanced political ideology. (laughs) That being the president. Isn't it funny how that works? Donald Trump is a political pugilist. He never apologizes for a mistake. He never admits that he is wrong. He constantly attacks. In many ways, Donald Trump is a 72-year-old political version of the Terminator. Ladies and gentlemen, Salon finally, finally giving Donald Trump a compliment. It's only taken three years. A machine that can't be reasoned with, can't be bargained with. It doesn't feel pity, remorse or fear and it absolutely will not stop ever. Isn't that brilliant? If I was Donald Trump, I would turn that into a campaign slogan. Forget make America great again. Forget keep America great again. How about vote Donald Trump or he'll be back? Donald Trump, he'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back in 2020. Funny how these talking heads and media thinks they know what's best. Well, they're paid to they're paid to pretend like they know what's best. But once you actually dig into the language and dissect it, dissect the word salad, you'll discover very quickly that they have no fucking idea what's going on outside of their own little circles. Two Fridays ago, Donald Trump was told that his hand-picked Attorney General, that's that's common language that's being shoved in now. I've got a periscope um, ready to rock and roll, ready to go, of a protest that was occurring today. Show us the report. Show us the report. The two dozen or so people there were very boisterous, very convincing in their demand. We, we the people... We, the the people that can fit on a city bus, demand to know what's in the report. His hand-picked Attorney General had received special counsel Robert Mueller's report on the 2016 election. Trump had two reasons to celebrate. Mueller had concluded that the Trump campaign did not directly conspire with the Russian government to steal the 2016 presidential election from the American people and Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, obviously not one of the American people. On the question of obstruction of justice, Robert Mueller did not make a decision. There is significant evidence that Donald Trump did in fact obstruct justice in his efforts to derail the the Trump-Russia investigation. Oh, okay. So why didn't Robert Mueller make a decision then? (laughs) Isn't that pretty fucking obvious? How the hell do these people get off? saying Robert Mueller did not make a decision on obstruction of justice, but there is significant evidence that Donald Trump did in fact obstruct justice. So either, you know, so what, Robert Mueller knows less about this obstruction of justice than you do? And you demand to see a report so you can see the evidence for the obstruction of justice, which you are sure is there, which it's so obvious that Robert Mueller, the guy that you have been building up for the last two years as a hero, he's going to get to the bottom of it. He's going to do whatever it takes. He's a bulldog. You're so confident of this, this evidence in this report. And yet Robert Mueller didn't make a call on it. He's like, oh, I don't know. 
I don't know. But you know better. But you demand to see the report because you know already? We can't do anything until we get all the facts. <laughs> and the facts are that there is significant evidence in the report, which we haven't seen. <laughs> Mueller instead chose to allow his boss and Trump's personal insurance policy, Attorney General William Barr, to make the final decision. Why would he do something like that? Why would Robert Mueller do that? If everybody knows that William Barr is acting as Trump's personal insurance policy, then why would Robert Mueller, in light of all of this significant evidence, just decide to hand it off to the guy? That's not very hero-like behaviour. That's not something a hero would do. Why, it almost sounds like Robert Mueller is in on the, he's in on the conspiracy himself at this point, doesn't it? Robert Mueller, fight, he instead chose to allow his boss. Oh, okay. Just like that. Just like that. He went from zero to hero quicker than Robert Downey Jr. in the mid-90s. Bang. Gone. He was out of there. It was a fate accompli. Barr had been publicly hostile to any investigation into Trump's connections with Russia. So again, I ask, why did Robert Mueller leave the decision up to AG Barr then? Why did he do that? Isn't that the AG's job? No, well, it, Robert Mueller was supposed to decide whether there was obstruction or there was not obstruction. Instead, he handed the report to AG Barr and said, I don't know, you figure it out. <laughs> why, would he, why would you spend 22 months to come to no conclusion? And also believes that the president is more like a king than a democratically elected leader with his limits on power. <laughs> I, okay. A.G. Barr apparently believes Donald Trump is the king of America. He decided that Trump was innocent. Just decided. Just, just plucked it out of thin air. Just decided. As reported by New York Magazine, Trump was exuberant. According to a White House aide, Trump said of Mueller's report, quote, This is great. This is incredible. This is what I've been saying all along. There's no collusion. I never talk to any Russians. The, the source of the quote is, of course unnamed. Trump's vindication is far from complete. The actual findings of the 400-page Mueller report have not yet been made public. But hey, you already said in the previous fucking paragraph, quote, there is significant evidence that Donald Trump did in fact obstruct justice in his efforts to derail the Trump-Russia investigation. One paragraph later, the actual findings of the Mueller report have not been made public. <laughs> How the hell would you know then? They're just making it up. That they are so they are so confident in making it up, and that people will just swallow it up. That they can literally change their mind from one paragraph to the next, and nobody notices. There's simultaneously so much evidence that Robert Mueller could not come to a conclusion that he handed over the report for AG Barr to come to a conclusion, even though he knew AG Barr was acting as Trump's quote personal insurance policy. But we haven't got the report, so we don't really know. Their campaign of revenge. Nonetheless, Trump and his allies are screaming exoneration. Their campaign of revenge has many targets. Trump has claimed that there was an attempted coup against his presidency and by extension the United States. His critics in the news media and Congress are to be silenced, blacklisted and sued for libel and slander. 
Trump has drawn up enemies lists. Trump and the right-wing media continue to engage in stochastic terrorism and scripted violence, ladies and gentlemen. Sounds very serious, doesn't it? Scripted violence. The Democrats, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, are enemies of the people. Clinton and Obama are in fact traitors who lead a deep state. So now we're back to putting deep state in inverted commas again. Remember when that New York Times op-ed came out and the guy said, yes, I work uh, in the administration and there's a whole bunch of us who work at the highest levels of government who are actively seeking to undermine uh, Donald Trump's presidency. And all of these people like Salon and Slate and the New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC were like, yes, yes, good, good. There are some government employees at the top who are secretly working in, in, you know, in the silence, in the shadows to, you know, put roadblocks up against Donald Trump's agenda and to undermine him and to stop things going through. And then they're like, then they have the audacity to turn around and go, deep state? What the fuck are you talking? What's a deep state? You crazy whack job. What are you, some kind of Alex Jones fan or something? There's no deep state. <laughs> don't, don't be ridiculous. There's no deep state. By the way, government government employees at the highest levels are actively working in secret to undermine the president, as printed in the New York Times, but there's no such thing as a deep state. That's a conspiracy. <laughs> Again, from one from one one shade to the next, they can just flip between the two. No problem. This is bad in America, but in many ways, good politics for Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Public opinion polls and other research show that Trump's proverbial white working class supporters. Here we go. Here we go. We're shifting it into race. Remember, after Mueller, Donald Trump's political warfare enters a dangerous new phase. I bet, I bet you had no idea because it was a Salon article that it would get into the race war, did you? That's a big surprise, isn't it? Yeah, I like to keep you on your toes. The proverbial white working class supporters and other Republican voters actually believe that they are oppressed by liberals, black people and other non-whites, gays and lesbians, immigrants and Muslims. For Trump's political cultists, the calculus is simple. They are Trump, ergo, when Trump is attacked, they are also attacked. The personal is political in the most crude and literal example of white identity politics, where Trumpism is not merely a set of political positions, but a lifestyle and a way of being in the world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're all president. We're all Donald Trump. We're all billionaires. In some ways... Trump and the right-wing movement's pugilistic attacks are a decades-old strategy. Listen to this. The quote-unquote paranoid style and its belief in victimization and in enemies around every corner and under every bed has been a fixture fixture of American conservatism since the 1950s. What they don't print in this article, I would add, and has been a fixture of liberal politics since the 1960s up to right up till today. The belief in victimization, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) the audacity. (laughs) I mean, you have, you have upper middle class, well off white liberals screaming, literally screaming tears in the streets 
for the victimization of other people that doesn't exist. The politics of victimization has been a cornerstone of American conservatism since the 1950s. Wow. Wrecking the machinery of democratic governance through show trial hearings and a blatant disregard for standing rules and procedure and precedent have been used by conservatives since the era of Joseph McCarthy and then against the Clinton administration. White racial resentment, racial resentment, ladies and gentlemen, and overt racism allowed and encouraged Republicans to amplify their obstruction against Barack Obama. Just just take that one sentence. What does that even mean? White racial resentment and overt racism allowed and encouraged Republicans to amplify their obstruction against Barack Obama. How many senators were on the floor when a bill was coming to get voted on? The Mr. Chairman, of, I say to the Speaker, I say to those opposite that Barack, we, we cannot support this bill because Barack Obama is a black man. <laughs> when did that happen? What, give me one. Give me one. I move against the motion because it was put forward by a Negro. I am empowered and encouraged by the white racial resentment in my district. Mr. Chairman. Newt Gingrich helped write the playbook for the right wing's assault on the Democratic Party. See, look, like I said, from one paragraph to the next, the paranoid style and its belief in victimization and in enemies around every corner and under every bed has been a fixture of American conservatism since the 1950s. Two paragraphs later, Newt Gingrich helped write the playbook for the right wing's assault on the Democratic Party. <laughs> now they're being assaulted. <laughs> oh, and what what was the book? It's called Language, a Key Meca- Mechanism of Control. Ladies and gentlemen, which which side is constantly trying to manipulate and massage and change definition? Which side is it that puts language at the top of the list in terms of important things like you must not say that, words have power, these words are inflicting physical harm on other people. Donald Trump's rhetoric is dangerous. It puts people at risk right? But Newt Gingrich wrote a book set called Language, A Key Mechanism of Control, which I would assume that every, you know, Marxist this side of the fence would would say, yes, that's 100% true. Language is a key mechanism of control. But now for the purposes of this article, eh, not so much. Not so much. But there is something relatively new and especially dangerous, even as judged relative to the above examples. In Trump's strategy of endless attacks, <laughs> in the tsunami of chaos and distraction that is a feature of Trump's regime, many stories and events that would in more normal times be a focus of great attention by both the news media and the American people are overlooked. Ladies and gentlemen, the news media isn't doing their job. They're too nice to Donald Trump, I think. They treat him too well. They're not holding this orange bastard to account. There you have it. Trump's enemies, Higgins noted, were not necessarily Marxist as conventionally understood, but included deep state actors, globalist bankers, Islamists, and establishment Republicans. 
Higgins concluded that what he clearly meant as stirring prose, claiming, quote, the defense of President Trump is the defense of America and explaining that racial diversity and efforts to ensure equal rights of non-whites, women and other groups are a threat to American security. Yes, I'm sure that's what he said. I'm sure that's what he said. Though this logic Trump through this logic Trump is not responsible for the general welfare, prosperity, safety and security of the American people or for protecting and nurturing the country's democracy. Reasonable consensus and coalition building are eschewed. In practice, social fissures within the American society are to be exploded for the political and personal gain of Trump, his allies and global kleptocrats. Only real Americans matter, defined by today's conservative movement as white, right-wing male Christians. Right. right. It's, the, it's, the, it's the white male Christians, yet they strike again. I find it funny. <clears throat> the the right-wing male white Christians must be the least effective supremacy group of all time because every other article in Salon will tell you how the demographics are changing and the white male Christians will, are soon going to be like in the minority and not relevant anymore, yet at the same time they still run everything. How does that work? We've never been so diverse. The right, the right-wing male Christians, the white population is falling. This is a changing country. They're all afraid. But at the same time, they're still running everything. They're to blame. So if they really were supremacists, why would the demographics be dropping? Why, why would why would brown people be coming up in terms of a percentage of a population if if the white supremacists were running the show? You see how one doesn't necessarily go into the other. The white females are off the hook, Key Wizard. Yes, they get away with it. So there you have it. The dangerous next step, the next phase in Trump's dangerous presidency, ladies and gentlemen, in his political warfare. It's all about racism, you see. And just just to be sure, uh, just for a bit of context, I want to bring up another article, Salon, because you see, as I was reading this before... I found this on the right-hand side here. All my close friends are black. And I thought, well, I absolutely must check out this piece. The politics of being friends with white people. <laughs> yes. Yes. Donald Trump. Donald Trump is fracturing the population against racial lines. Very next article. The politics of being friends with white people. My best friend at nine was white, but interracial friendships later became a struggle. Here's why everything changed. It was easy for me to have white friends when I was younger, when I was a kid, but now I'm, now I'm older, not so much. In this article, the author goes on to tell a number of memoirs about, you know, uh, junior, junior years in high school and her white friends in the debate team and how people drifted apart, and now, these days, all of her friends are black, and she's trying to figure out why. So I'll just skip ahead down to the bottom here. When you are 9, 12, or 17, it is easy to overlook racist comments. That your friend's dad does not like black people has little to do with what your friend thinks, right? When you cannot yet vote, the fact that your friend's parents are Republicans means little. With age, these things start to matter. 
At 25 or 32, it is harder to overlook the inevitable racially ignorant comment that will come, especially when you have had access to friendships where this was never an issue. At 30 or 35, the fact that your white friends now vote Republican alongside their parents strikes you as a choice that detrimentally impacts your material existence. Remember, Donald Trump is the one that's making everything about race. Donald Trump is the one that's forcing racial, white identity politics and white resentment into the, into the mainstream of the voting population, ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump is the one that is injecting this racist toxicity into the body politic. Very next article. Well, I just, you just can't have white friends that vote Republican. Because if you have white friends that vote Republican, it shows that they don't care whether you exist or not. It is hard to stomach, the author continues. Several years ago, I had an opportunity to attend the wedding reception of two of my old debate teammates who were getting married. Isn't that wonderful? I went with another teammate, also black. When we arrived, we were shocked to discover that among a gathering of probably 75 people, we were the couple's only black friends. It had been years since we had spoken to them. This is why the Reuters poll is so unsurprising. I have always been skeptical of white people who claim that one of my friends is black. Internally, my response has always been, they may be your friend, but are you their friend? (laughs) See, white people, white people just like to have, uh, they like to keep a collection of blacks around who really like them, but they don't really like the black person, you see. That's how it works generally, I think. That's how white relationships tend to work with people of colour, apparently, allegedly. I believe deeply in the power of friendship to make us better human beings, but interracial friendships, especially in adulthood, require a level of risk and vulnerability that many of us would rather simply not deal with. And that is perhaps one of racism's biggest casualties. Beyond the level of systemic havoc that racism wreaks on the material lives of people of colour in a million and one ways every day, it reduces the opportunity of all people to be more human. Ladies and gentlemen, you sick, disgusting racist freaks you. Get out there and get yourself a black friend immediately and and really be a friend this time. Don't just keep them around to do odd jobs for you around the house, pick you up from the airport, help you move a couch. No, no, not that kind of a friend. It has to be a real friend. You need to sit down and talk about racism, talk about race constantly, as much as you possibly can. You need to focus in on everything that makes you different from your friends. Because if you just focus on the things that make you, you know, like each other, if you just focus on the things that bring you together, well, you'd be ignoring a horrible, horrible systemic overload of things that threaten the material existence of the black person that you so callously declare to be your friend. And that would be unacceptable. Uh, just a piece of advice. Oh, by the way, this this author is, quote, a contributing writer at Salon who teaches women's and gender studies and Africana studies at Rutgers. And you can follow her on Twitter. What a shock. Shock horror. Shock horror. I don't know. Um, I might suggest just, I might not mean anything, 
but I would suggest to the uh, lovely young lady that she may have more friends out of different racial groups if she didn't write articles like this. <laughs> because if so much of the prism from which you view the rest of the world is being filtered through this, you know, that having interracial friendships requires a level of, quote, risk and vulnerability that many of us would rather simply not deal with, then I would suggest it's going to be pretty difficult to hang on to those friends who look a little bit different. But that's what happens. Shit happens. We've saved somebody. To, by writing this article, she has saved countless amounts of people the kind of friendship that has you tearing your hair out and wondering why you are friends with this person. I imagine. Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Now you face the Shredder. Shred that shit up. This is why you should be friends with white people. Friends shoot each other trying out bulletproof vest while drunk. A drinking session ended in gunplay after two men decided to try out a bulletproof vest. Aren't these the kind of white... This is the only shit... This is the kind of shit that you'll get when you have white friends, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you want a friend that will shoot you in the chest for fun? I know I do. Christopher Hicks visited his friend Charles Ferris this weekend and the pair were drinking in Ferris's garden when the idea of trying out a bulletproof vest came up. Ferris told Hicks to shoot him and Hicks did so. <laughs> See, what if that's what friends are for? The rifles, the pistols, I'll be pointing guns forevermore. That's what friends are for. The bullet from the 22 rifle didn't penetrate the bulletproof very. This is, this is not written very well. The bullet from the 22 rifle didn't penetrate the bulletproof vest, but raised a nasty welt on Ferris's chest. Then it was Hicks' turn. Okay, my turn. My turn. Okay, you stand. Oh, that was good. You got me pretty good there. I tell you what, you got me pretty good with that one. But you terrible shot. You was at least a foot away from my face. Then it was Hicks's turn. Ferris, who later admitted to the police that he was pissed about being shot, reportedly unloaded the clip into Hicks' back. <laughs> Come on, shoot me, you pussy. Shoot me, shoot me. Are you okay? You motherfucker, what'd you shoot me for? Empty the clip. In good times and bullet times. <laughs> Kimmy Jong-un says, this friendship is all about risk and vulnerability. Exactly. And they're both white. How did that happen? While none of the five rifle rounds reached Hicks' skin, he was left with significant bruising. He took himself to hospital where staff called the police. Why call the police? Why do the police have to get involved in this? It, they sorted it out. They sorted themselves out. They shot each other. No one was hurt. They were drinking. It was fun. They were trying out a bulletproof vest. What's the problem? That's what the vest, that's what vests are for. That's what vests are for. Rather than tell the truth about their drunken escapade, Ferris instead concocted a fanciful story about having been approached in a bar in Springfield, Arkansas, by a man known only as The Asset. <laughs> Everybody's... 
I don't know. Do you get the feeling that everybody's a fucking secret agent these days, or is it just me? Everybody wants to be a secret agent. Even drunken rednecks in Arkansas who want to shoot each other to test bulletproof vests. Duh. Yeah, hell no. It was my friend. I was down at the local bar, and this man walked in. He was wearing a suit. He had a briefcase. They call him the asset. <laughs> who paid him and his friend $200 to act as his bodyguards. Yeah, I'm sure... I'm sure a guy called the asset would just pay drunken yobbos down at the local watering hole a couple of hundred bucks to be the be his security detail. Then he claimed they were driven to a meeting that turned into an ambush. A gunfight then allegedly ensued in which Hicks and Ferris were shot. Ferris kept the story up until his wife arrived at the hospital and told the cops the truth about what had happened. They tell you they have to point it out on the map. That's that's where it happened. That's where all the redneck hicks live, apparently. Right near Okie Doke. Look out, Oklahoma. Both Ferris and Hicks were arrested on suspicion of aggravated assault. They could both face a penalty, a potential penalty of six years in prison and be each fined up to 7,000 pounds, which I think would be about, what, $10,000 in American money? The suspects are set to appear at Benton County Court on May 13. Both men are free on a $5,000 bond and ordered not to contact one another, reports 5 News KFSM. There you have it. Good friends, ladies and gentlemen. Good friends. Good white friends. There's an endorsement. Hey, if you want to get shot, get yourself a white friend. If you want to get shot by someone who's drunk... Go out and make yourself some white friends. Only in Arkansas, though. Don't talk about northern Wisconsin hicks. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have a white friend that shoots you? I know I would. All of, all of my white friends are too busy oppressing everybody else, unfortunately. Uh, tell you what, we haven't done this for a while. Let's rock and roll with Sal Lemon. Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor is impossible to eat. Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor is impossible to eat. Don Lemon, ladies and gentlemen, uh, well, I think it was last night, in light of the video that Joe Biden put out, we, we did we did the video yesterday on the show. I think it was yesterday, Sexy Time. If you want to download that podcast, check it out. And Joe Biden put out this Twitter video. <laughs> and he was, you know, social, he was saying social norms have changed. And I was trying to figure out a time when it was normal to smell children's hair stroke them in a seductive way, grope them where they ought not be groped. I, I can't think of a time when that was a norm in society, but apparently it was because Joe Biden said so. And, you know, he's going to have to come to grips with this changing world where old men can no longer grope strange children. And it must be, it's a terrible adjustment. On the show the other day, we played uh, some expert who I've got no idea who he is or what he's an expert in. He was talking about how this is very much the same as when Jim Crow segregation came to an end and a whole bunch of white people just weren't sure how to act with the black people. It's the same thing for Joe Biden when it comes to groping people. 
apparently. So the corporate media has been in overdrive trying to cover Joe, Bi- Joe Biden's pasty, pale ass that nobody wants to touch but yet touches everybody. And this was Don Lemon's contribution to the Justice for Joe Biden movement that's now trending somewhere, I'm sure. Let's check out what Don's got to say. It's interesting that Joe Biden is, and you know, I, I give um, Megan McCain credit for this because she opened my eyes to it as I was watching her the other day. She said, <laughs> Joe Biden, by the way, she defends Joe Biden. Says he's a nice man. I'm, sure, um, I'm sure she does, Don. I'm sure Megan McCain defends Joe Biden from The View. This is that Joe Biden is an old school retail politician. Okay. Who likes to get out and, you know, be among the people and <laughs> touch people. And- Did you know? I didn't I didn't know. This is a fucking revelation to me. Did you know an old school old school politics was touching people the way Joe touches them? It's incredible, isn't it? You know, he's just an old school politician. He likes to be out there with the people touching them. <laughs> really? Really? I mean, kissing babies is one thing. Stroking the hair of 12-year-old girls and whispering into their ear is something else entirely, wouldn't you say? Touch the people. Be around. I know why he wants to be around the people, because there's more people to touch. <laughs> like a smorgasbord out there smorgasbord of tna for the jb when you take away the bill not that he should be in anybody's space okay but he, if he's going to be the you know strong or the straight arm politician then he's no longer joe biden oh. <laughs> if you t- if you take away joe biden's ability to touch people in inappropriate ways you're taking away his spirit <laughs> Oh, my God. Look at Cuomo. Even Cuomo's like, I can't believe what I'm fucking hearing here. Don Lemon doesn't even believe it. Don Lemon's, I think he's reading a teleprompter going, really? This is what you typed up for me? How the hell am I supposed to, how the hell am I supposed to sell this? (laughs) It's like, don't think about it, Don. Just read the words. Just read the words in front of you, Don. Don't think. We don't pay you to think. (laughs) He just wants to be out with the people. He just wants to be touching the people. He's old school. And if you take away that ability, if you take away that ability for Joe Biden to touch strangers inappropriately, well then, is it still Joe Biden? (laughs) The fucking tragedy. Oh, the horror. Oh, the shame. They're not even, they won't even let Joe, let Joe be Joe. Let Joe be Joe, damn it. Damn it. Only a sick motherfucker would want Joe Biden to not be Joe Biden. Who the hell did, who the hell is pushing this? It's an outrage. It's an injustice. You know, we've got some sick motherfuckers out there who don't want Joe Biden to be himself anymore. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I mean, he's just doing what comes naturally. Why would people be against Joe Biden being himself? It's awful. If you take that away from him, you take away his soul, ladies and gentlemen. I agree. I agree with Don Lemon. I agree. If you take that away from Joe Biden, then he's no longer Joe Biden. 
and I want Joe Biden running in 2020 the way Joe Biden is right now. I want Joe Biden pushing himself and his hands up against every comely young lass that he can get near within a radius of six feet. I want everybody to be touched by Joe Biden and I want everybody to know that they've been touched by Joe Biden. That's exactly what I want in the 2020 election. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm with Don. I got to agree with Don. Let Joe be Joe. It's terribly important. You've taken away the, the characteristic that people like about him, that he's a man of the people, that he's caring and that he, you know, he, he wants to be uh, among the, the folks. Right. The folks. The fo <laughs> so apparently, apparently now, if you say something about Joe Biden, um, you know, smelling your hair, <sighs> like picture, picture, just, just put yourself in this place. You're standing there. You're a, you're a you're a young lady. You're at a political rally or something, and you know you know you get that feeling when someone's behind you. You 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 get that weird feeling. You know, like if you're waiting in line to buy tickets or something, and you just know that somebody just came and stand behind you, even though you haven't seen them yet. And that feeling washes over you, and before you even get the opportunity to spin around, a cold old hand gently places itself on your left shoulder. And as you snap your neck quickly, violently to the left to see who is touching you, you feel a solitary nostril, the wind from it, the, 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 the breath from, you know, the warm breath coming out of his mouth. You feel it on the back of your naked neck. And then you freeze. And then you hear, as it take as as this person takes in a big big whiff of your apple shampoo and then you don't know what to do you don't know whether to turn right you don't know whether to turn left you don't know whether to scream and run in horror and before you can even compute all of these conflicting data points these emotions you feel the lips. On the back of your head. Then not knowing how to react, what to do, what to say and who to say it to. You tune on CNN that light later on that night and Don Lemon comes on. <laughs> And Don Levin says, you know, this is what people like about Joe Biden. This is what people love about him. That he's out there with the people, touching them. The folks, you know the folks? They love the folks. He loves the folks and the folks love him. And I think it would be a terrible injustice for the folks, for the normal people who love Joe Biden, love the fact that he's a man of the people. I think the folks out there would think that if you take away this, this power from Joe, if you take away this ability for him to interact with the folks that he loves and love him in this particular way that he likes to interact, then you're taking away what makes Joe, Joe. And isn't that the real crime here? 
isn't that the real tragedy? For if we take away the thing that makes Joe Biden Joe, are we not making ourselves victims? Or is Joe the victim? Is Joe the victim of all of us and our inability to compute his affection, his love, his empathy, his empowerment for those around him, for the folks? Oh, yeah. Can I get a picture with your daughter? Alone. Please. I might be president one day. That's the real crime here. Don Lemon gets it. And I know you get it too. Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Lemon tree, very pretty And the lemon flowery sweet But the fruit of the poor lemon Is impossible to eat Lemon tree, very pretty And the lemon flowery sweet But the fruit of the poor lemon is impossible to eat. I want to go to something a bit more important now. Did you guys hear about the Alex Jones deposition being leaked out by the lawyers who are suing him? There's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with this. And I think this is part of, it's, it's almost like a full court press. Over the last few weeks, we've been discussing, haven't we, various topics in in the aftermath of the Christchurch shooting. Governments in this part of the world were quick to start dropping the hammer. Typical knee-jerk reaction stuff. And I'm not talking about the usual gun-grabbing stuff, even though the New Zealand government did that. But the Australian government then proposed a bill and has since tabled it to say that executives who run platforms that allow live streaming can face prison time if something untoward or disagreeable should be broadcast live on their platform. And I, and I use those terms untoward or disagreeable because before the bill was even written, it went from protecting people from violent content to protecting people from hate speech to protecting people from hate, period to protecting people from conspiracy theories, to protecting people from disturbing content. We went through five stages of what needs to be suppressed online in a matter of a few hours. So these things accelerate very, very quickly when you're dealing with politicians who view the world through the windows of their chauffeur-driven limousines. What, wow, Salvatore, yeah. Salvatore, go back in, um, if you go to the podcast, if you've got iTunes, I don't know if you do, but if you have iTunes, look for The Daily Boogie, and then there's a few episodes. One's Regulated, um, The Tragic Aftermath of a Tragedy is another one, uh, Caught in the Net was another episode we did, and there was another one, Ban Live Streaming Because Reasons, those four episodes. We pretty much did them back to back to back to back, and we followed, we tracked this move by governments to now people are suggesting just ban live streaming altogether because if the government, this is a roundabout way to do that because if the government can impose crippling penalties 
or jail sentences as a looming risk for the companies, because you might say, well, they can't ban live streaming, they can't ban free speech. But what they can do is impose massive risks on these. They can create massive risks for these companies. Therefore, it becomes unviable for the companies to take that risk. So they'll just ban everything themselves. Because every live stream could be potentially, you know, a litigious problem for the company. And they can't have that risk, especially if they're facing jail or crippling fines. So they're just going to ban it all. And, if, and, you know, we were dealing with Australia and New Zealand talking about doing this last week when we were doing this these episodes. Um, and I said, don't think that it's only going to stay in Australia or New Zealand because what happens is these little bureaucrats talk to other bureaucrats from other countries and then they go, oh, wow, that's a really good idea. People would really like this idea. And then they take it to their politicians because there's a G20 meeting that's coming up very shortly where the top 20 uh, economies, which the United States is included, all get together and they share ideas and share policies. Um, politicians in various parts of the world are talking about the need for worldwide regulation of live streaming. And this is something that, you know, people on the left and the right of the spectrum can agree on because they're coming for everybody. And it might seem like a roundabout way of saying it, but I suggest that this uh, Alex Jones thing is is feeding into that. Whether it's by accident or by design, I don't know, and I don't necessarily care. But it's just another thing to throw on the pile, another thing for the politicians to add on when they make these ridiculous arguments. And like I was saying last week, that it's not going to just be Australia. Look at what I found today. Social media bosses could be liable for harmful content leaked UK plan reveals. While the governments of Australia, the uh, the New Zealand government, the government of Canada have all been, you know, have all decided, oh, well, now we really need to start hitting these companies if they allow content to be, you know, posted online. The UK government has been working on their own plan. Social media executives could be held personally liable for harmful content distributed on their platform, leaked plans for a long-awaited government crackdown obtained by The Guardian Reveal. Long-awaited? Long-awaited? How long? How long? Because down here, they made it seem like this is just an idea that they had just after Christchurch. I mean, the bodies were still warm after Christchurch, and they were already drafting this bill in this part of the world. There has been growing concern about the role of the internet in the distribution of material relating to terrorism, child abuse, self-harm and suicide, and ministers have been under pressure to act. Under plans expected to be published on Monday, the government will legislate for a new statutory duty of care to be policed by an independent regulator. Oh, yes, of course, the independent regulators. Who can argue with the independent? And likely to be funded through a levy on media companies. The debate has been sharpened in recent months by the case of British teenager Molly Russell and issues raised by the Christchurch shootings. How convenient. Molly's parents said she killed herself partly because of self-harm images viewed on social media. 
So it's the social media company's fault. And that's why, that's why you know, it needs to be regulated. To pre- the government needs to step in to protect you from yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. So you can be all nice and warm and wrapped up in a safety blanket. Isn't it fun? Isn't it good? Isn't it good that the government cares so much for you and your welfare? I mean, these jokers, these jokers can't solve knife crime on the streets of London. They can't solve the issues with their own economy. They can't solve their own immigration crisis. They can't even get out of the European Union three or four years later. But they can solve the problem of people seeing things online that make them kill themselves, apparently. That that they can fix. They can fix internet, global internet regulation, but they can't fix anything else. Right, right, yep. I'm looking forward to these solutions, aren't you? So like I said, it's not just down in this part of the world. It's already moved to the UK. And like I said the other day, don't think, don't fall, just don't just fall back on the First Amendment. Because what the government will do is they won't directly attack the First Amendment. They'll impose penalties on companies that allow things to go through that are violent or what have you which is not a violation of free speech, but it'll be some other like business-related duty of care kind of policy. And then because of the risk that the companies would have to take to allow the content to go online, they will just ban the lot. They will ban everybody from live streaming because they can't afford to take the risk, the liability that somebody would live stream something terrible. So let's go back to Alex Jones. Alex Jones is currently being sued for comments he made about the Sandy Hook shootings. He's being sued in a civil case by, I think, a couple of the families, apparently for the harm he caused by, you know, talking about different theories about whether or not it actually happened. Now, you might say, how is this even possible because of free speech? Why is he being charged with free speech? Do you see Do you see how flimsy it is in reality? Let me show you what they're doing to this guy. In our national lead now, after years of peddling the vicious and evil lie that the Sandy Hook massacre was a hoax, Alex Jones is now struggling to defend himself from law. This is news, by the way. Peddling the vicious and evil lie. Yeah, the... the you- do you ever get, do you have a saying in America where they're laying it on too thick? Do you get that? Like when, you know, like the kind of effect of a, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to the used car salesman, but the kind of thing a used car salesman will do. You walk up and you see a piece of shit car with like a, a $2,000 sticker on it and you go, tell me about this car. And they'll go, oh, mate, it is the best possible car in, it's the best car in the whole lot. I had a guy in here who wanted this car. He said he was coming back in an hour. I tell you what. This car is so good. It is the best car in the fucking city, my man. You absolutely need to get this car. You need to be in this car right now. That that would be laying it on a little too thick. Like you came on a little too strong.
In our national lead now, after years of peddling the vicious and evil lie that the Sandy Hook massacre was a hoax, Alex Jones is now struggling to defend himself from lawsuits. In a newly released deposition for one of those defamation suits from some of the... Now, why, why, would, the, why would the defamation video be released? Uh, by the way, they released over three hours of video of the camera just being right there on Alex the whole time. Why would they do that, do you think? I mean, obviously, if it worked out well for him, they wouldn't do this, would they? Right? Out of, and by the way, you hear a lot about this, a form of psychosis line. Uh, out of over three hours of deposition hearing, this is the one line that they're going with. The families of the victims, we're seeing for the first time the InfoWars host on tape and under oath, struggling to demonstrate any remorse to the loved ones of those who were killed and even offering... Purely subjective statements, struggling to show any remorse to the people being killed. He was being grilled by a lawyer who wants to ruin him. What, 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 what's, what's he supposed to do? More by way of deluded conspiracy theories. Deluded? I am not the only person to question Sandy Hook. Conspiracy theorist and professional liar Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> professional liar. Is that what it says on his census form? Is that what it says on his tax file, on his tax declaration? Occupation, professional liar. You see how quickly they do this shit too? <laughs> Evil, violent, disgusting, no remorse, professional liar. Bang, 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 bang. Ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, nine subjective insults in the space of 35 seconds. Not bad. It's nearly one every three seconds. ...to tell the truth in this recent three-hour deposition. It was seemingly an uncomfortable spot for the InfoWars founder who shared the revolting lie with millions revolting. of his followers that the deaths of 20 first graders and six educators at Sandy Hook Elementary School in 2012 was a hoax, prompting his followers to harass the grieving families whom he smeared as coached actors. Don't ever think this couldn't be staged. Jones is now being sued by some victims' families. He's See, this is how bad they are at this. There's so many other clips that they could have taken, but they take the one where he actually uses qualifying language. Don't ever think that this couldn't be staged. Instead of getting a clip where he said this was staged, they get the one where he says, don't think that this couldn't be. Which in of itself, it's, a, it's an ambiguous open question, right? I mean, this shit is truly horrifying. Wait till we get to the footage of the actual deposition and not just this um, hacky little CNN clip. Wait till you get to the, the kinds of, I mean, you can go, we're not going to play three hours of it, but wait till you get to the, what, the questions he was being asked. It's kind of shit like, Mr. Jones, on, you know, April 21 of 2016, you said this, and then they play a three-second clip. And then again on August 25th, in 2017, you said this and another two or three second clip. And then he gets asked questions about these individual, like little two, three second clips from years ago. What were you thinking? What do you think now? If 
this this is this should be truly horrifying to people what's happening here and see where's all the screaming first amendment first amendment first amendment where's that there are four, there are far more people out there right now whether you like or dislike alex jones is completely irrelevant if you're one of the people out there you know ah well fuck him who cares yeah he's crazy blah 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 you don't get it you don't understand what's happening here If this is allowed to pass, if this is allowed to get through, then anybody who's ever made any kind of statement on the internet ever on a broadcast is potentially liable for financial ruin. Anybody. Anybody. And you know it's it's all it's it's easy and it's cool, isn't it, to like sit back and make jokes? Ah, oh, Alex Jones, fucking, he's an idiot. Da da da. He says crazy things. Too bad. Oh well, so sad. <laughs> you idiots! You could be next. You will be next. Ever said something? Ever said something um, about somebody, a public figure or a public event that other people don't like? And you're like, ah, fuck you. I've got First Amendment. I've got free speech. There's nothing you can do, motherfucker. If this is allowed to pass, guess what? They'll get the back door and they'll get you. And think about the chilling effect that this will have if this comes to pass. So it's not just so much the people who have already said things online. It's going to be affecting all future speech as well. Because if this is this public figure, this guy who basically essentially invented alternative media on his own, let's be fair here, whether you like or dislike Alex Jones, if you're a if you're a commentator or a pundit, you're doing little periscopes or little YouTube videos, he came first. He paved the way for everybody else. So if they take him down, you're nothing. You are trash beneath their feet. Let's carry on. Leaving families whom he smeared as coached actors. Don't ever think this couldn't be staged. Jones is now being sued by some victims' families. He's talking to lawyers instead of fans. And it seems he's struggling to explain. What does stage mean? I'm just asking you what you were telling your audience. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm not answering your questions, Mr. Jones. You're going to tell me what stage oh, means when you said it. Some of the grieving families were harassed so much they were forced to move homes. And last week, one of those harassed... He didn't harass them, though. See how they see how they just put the two together? They just put the two together? See, this will redefine legally what incitement to violence means. See, the way we tend to understand and think of incitement to violence would be if somebody was on a stage or on a show or on a platform and would say, you know, go and get these people, go and get them, go and do X to this, this person or go and do X to this group of people. And like that would be classically defined as, you know, an incitement to violence. That's not what he did. But they're trying to say that his questioning of this event or saying that it was a hoax inspired people to act and incited them to harass somebody else. 
Now, if that sets the precedent, you can literally make any kind of qualification about any kind of speech being an incitement. And it's not going to apply just to the right. Look at this article. Look at this. Look at the way these people are cheering this on. Like vapid, shallow shells of human beings. Totally, totally incapable of understanding any kind of bigger picture here past a, you know, a clickbaity gotcha headline. Huffington Post, where else would I go? No wonder you're all losing your jobs. We got Alex Jones's deposition video. It was a predictable disaster for him. No, for you too. Wise ass. For all of his dangerous talk about the Sandy Hook school shooting, Alex Jones couldn't even recall the date it happened. Yet it's so dangerous he needs to be taken down, right? InfoWars host Alex Jones was questioned earlier this month for three hours by the lawyer of a Sandy Hook parent who has accused him of perpetuating an abhorrent hoax. Is that a crime? When, when did that become a crime? Perpetuating an abhorrent hoax. That's also what we would call editorialising, putting the word abhorrent in. It did not go well for Jones. Like I told you, most of this stuff I can't even remember, Jones says about the 2012 Sandy Hook shooting at one point in the video. It was nearly 10 years ago too. The deposition which was released publicly on Friday shows Jones in the hot seat as he attempts to explain his reasoning for spending years falsely claiming that the school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut which left 20 children and six adults dead, was a hoax. He is being sued by nine family members of loved ones who died in the shooting, including Scarlett Lewis, who is using Jones for intentional infliction of emotional distress. Suing Jones for <clears throat> intentional infliction of emotional distress. They are going to try and say that Alex Jones was calling it a hoax specifically for the reason of hurting the family's feelings. That's what they're going for. Lewis is represented by Mark Brankston of the Texas law firm Farrah and Ball. HuffPost has also included the full transcript. Since lawsuits began pouring in against him, Jones has repeatedly claimed he now believes the shooting to have happened. But in his deposition, Jones can't seem to help but continue to cast doubt on official reports of the shooting. So he's not even allowed. He's not even allowed. You're not allowed to doubt it. If you doubt something, if you doubt something and express that doubt in the future, if this is allowed to pass, you can be financially ruined for intentional infliction of emotional distress. Ladies and gentlemen, where is your First Amendment now? Where is your free speech now? From the start of the surreal deposition, Jones's lawyers whined and sparred, often with Lewis's attorney. At one point, Bankston told one of two of two Jones's lawyers, Mark Enoch, that he would appreciate it if you kept your mouth shut for this deposition. Jones often used ignorance and a lack of preparation as a defense for not answering simple questions. As Bankston continued questioning Jones about the false building he had purported to be the school, the conspiracy theorist played dumb. The most devastating part of the deposition comes when Bankston reads the State of Connecticut Department of Public Safety Investigation report on the shooting. 
Authorities who responded to the shooting recall small bodies in a classroom packed like sardines. It is a horrifying account of the terror, and Jones appears visibly upset, but it's not enough to stop him from continuing his falsehoods. Jones is asked about the supposed deep research he did on the shooting shortly after reading being read the official report. Through it all, Jones is defiant. He hems and haws about how he feels very sad for folks, you know, who have to go through it, and I'm sorry. And he says he could have done a better job in hindsight, but he never apologises for his specific actions. There were no actions. What specific actions did Jones take? See how they conflate action with word, with speech? They always do that, don't they? That's why you have a thing called hate speech, because to call it hate speech is to cast, you know, the emotion of hate into the act of speaking, which in of itself becomes violence. Never takes real responsibility and continues to insult those who have suffered cataclysmic trauma. Let's go back to this hacky report on CNN. Asked Sandy Hook parents, Jeremy Richmond, father of Aviel, took his own life. A conspiracy theorist boosted by Jones repeatedly falsely claimed Aviel was still alive. Jones in his March 14th deposition blamed his fault. Boosted by Jones. What does that even mean? False conspiracy theory on psychosis. And I've, you know, I myself have, you know, almost had like a form of psychosis back in the past where I basically thought everything was staged. You know, I've now learned a lot of times things aren't staged. I'm already Whether you think his is the face of evil or delusion, Jones has made Evil or delusion, those are your only two options. A fortune with lies such as these, <laughs> claiming Sandy Hook and 9-11 were inside. He's made a fortune telling lies. This is very dangerous stuff that these people are dabbling in. Again, I ask you, where is your First Amendment now, brothers and sisters? Where is your First Amendment now? Question the official story. You've, you've had serious doubts that the official story was true. I've always, from the beginning, had questions about any big public event that's hyped up because so many times parts of it are being covered up or things are being staged or they're not letting a good crisis go to waste and sometimes things are completely made up like the babies in the incubators mm -hmm. which is admitted and i'm saying no i questioned it up front the public questioned it and then as i had time to go over a lot of the anomalies turned out to not be accurate and i believe school shootings happen by the end of 2014 you had personally done intensive research and you concluded it was all fake correct still objection as before the specific areas I was talking about being fake, not in a totality. I wrongly have said in the past. See, here's the thing for me. It, it, here he is. He's being he's being hacked to death publicly for this, and he's having to say, "Well, you know, specific things I I said were fake. I you know, not in its totality and stuff." So fucking what if it, if he thought in his to, in its totality he thought it was fake? So what? So what? There are people out there every single day saying outlandish shit that is absolute pure lies. Fuck, we just read we read the salon article before. Where where was look at this line? Where was this line? Uh Donald Trump's political warfare enters a dangerous new phase. 
in the future, ladies and gentlemen, would this be would this be now you know uh, intentionally trying to emotionally harm people, fill them with fear? Donald Trump's coming to get you. He hates you. He's a racist. He only cares about white Christian men. He views your exit. Remember, um, he was threatening the material existence of people of color in this article. In this article, outlandish. Your life is literally at risk because of this man, Donald Trump. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. No problem whatsoever. But a school shooting, any any event, any of any public event, the precedent is being set where any kind of questioning, you will be deliberately inflicting harm on somebody else. Deliberately. And we still have idiots, morons, who don't even have the don't even have two brain cells enough to rub together to save their own ass and understand what's happening here. They're just they're more than happy to sit back and laugh at this guy. Ha ha ha, he's crazy, he's a conspiracy theorist, fuck him. <laughs> He says stupid things. He he sells air conditioners. He sells fucking water filters. You fuckwits, they're coming for you next. If they get if they get to set this precedent, they are coming for you next. Off of news reports that I was relying on that the children uh, were going around with their hands up at the school when it was the firehouse. And that's one of the main anomalies that turned out to not be true and the reason I changed my mind about a lot of things. I remember that they were saying it was the most sealed case ever and that was in the news, that there were all these lawsuits about unsealing things and that the records and the, and the, the redacted police reports, I mean, this report you give me is almost all blacked out. This is what people were talking about. And so I can't accurately answer off of edited tapes. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. So I'm trying to answer your questions. You, I ever, just, you ever try to order a death certificate? They're $20. Anybody can get any one of them. Do you ever try? As I've told you, when we went off news reports and other people that were investigating, we, we did not ourselves investigate Sandy Hook. These aren't comedy skits. This is journalism. Yes. Well, okay. th- this is punditry because I wear a journalist hat, punditry hat, satire hat, uh, just you know, just reading news, just you know, just I mean, just being a news reader. I mean, I do that as well. So, 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 so I ever, ever, ever tell some risky jokes about a public figure? Do you do that on your little Periscope, on your little YouTube show? Yeah, ever do that? Ever, ever push a conspiracy theory? Say someone's dead or something like that? You ever do that when they're not? I mean, if this is allowed to pass, the family of those people or persons might just send you a letter. Hey, you you said my grandma was dead when she wasn't. This caused incredible emotional trauma for me and my family. We're going to sue you for everything you've fucking got.
because you were pushing a dangerous hoax. Right? How many people think about this shit? Or are we or are we just are we just concerned with how we can uh, fall into line and join the Jones bashing bandwagon till its logical conclusion? Right? What happened to use your discernment? Where'd where'd that go? Where did that go? Because, you know, by quote unquote pushing a hoax. Jones is being sued by the families for intentionally inflicting emotional trauma. It will ruin him. And it won't just ruin him. It will ruin everybody. Because anybody who's ever said some risky shit, and if they wear many hats, the comedian hat, the punditry hat, all of these hats, you're going to be in somebody's targets. You're going to be in somebody's sights. Ah, well, uh, who cares? Who cares? He's controlled opposition. He's crazy. He's a conspiracy theorist. He says crazy things. He sells supplements. Fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) Knuckle-dragging rock apes. Don't even have enough sense to save themselves. Do a lot of things. Uh, but when I was covering Sandy Hook, I was genuinely trying to get at the truth of it. You've done mocking imitations of Sandy Hook parents crying, correct? No. I want to play you a video clip, too, from September 24th, 2014, and November 11th, 2016. Will you play the video clip called Crying? And then you've got parents laughing, going, <laughs> and then they walk over to the camera and go, <laughs> Not just one, but a bunch of parents doing this. And we see footage of one of the reported fathers of the victims, Robbie Parker, doing classic acting training where he's laughing and joking. And they say, hey, we're live. And he goes, oh. And maybe that's real. I'm sure it is. You realize now you were mocking the difficult emotional reactions of people who provably lost their children. No. Do you see this shit? Do you realize now? Have you ever told an off joke? Have you ever told like a, a joke? Do you have a dark sense of humor? If you've got a dark sense of humor and you make comments about public events, you better be you better be watching this. This is the most important thing happening in your world right now. If you make little videos online and you tell dark jokes and you you openly talk about uh you know theories about whether things happened, whether things didn't, whether people are dead, whether they're not. This this is the most important thing happening in your universe right now. It's more important than the Mueller report. It's more important than the wall. This is the most important thing. And I would bet Nine out of ten people don't even realize that it's the most important thing in their world right now and would actually support this shit. Because fuck him. Fuck him, right? Never liked him anyway. He's a conspiracy theorist. He sells he sells air filters. Fuck him. Hey, if he's gone, more room for the rest of us, right? Do you see what they're doing here? 
This is the most important thing in your world right now. If you've ever told off jokes, if you've ever questioned things, if you've ever openly talked about theories on your, like I said, your little live streams, your little videos, your little periscopes. Because once this precedence is set, everybody, everybody's on the chopping block. All of you. All of you. Not mocking. I was showing what people were questioning. It was not to mock the parents. It was showing why people were questioning. It's you that is projecting mocking onto it. I was showing what he did. The media currently and then says Jones is saying it. Jones is sending people and then never showing me. It's a, it's a disgusting fraud that he should have to go through this. It's a disgusting fraud that he should have to answer these questions at all. That's abhorrent. Because where's your freedom? I thought everybody was protected here. I thought you were being protected for freedom of speech, right? This is the test case. This is the canary in the coal mine. This is the watermark moment. Like I said, this is the most important thing in your universe right now if you are an online pundit in any capacity. Saying, don't go investigate it. I believe mass shootings happened, and I'm sorry, and some of the anomalies we were told were wrong. And I've said it, I've probably been saying that four years. Okay. And then, and then, and then the media, the corporate media, wants to use it to, I guess, bring back up gun control or anti-free speech stuff, whatever it is. And so it continues to uh, do that over and over again. Sandy Hook is not my identity. I covered it less than one-tenth of one percent until Hillary gave her alt-right speech. And then th there were thousands of articles uh, you know, saying Jones is doing this, Jones is sending people there. And it, and it kind of restarted a big resurgence, had people on the street saying, how dare you not, you know, not say it happened? We don't think it happened. It's a big thing. There's like spray painted on the walls of, you know, here in Austin on, on the side of the highway that, you know, Sandy Hook was staged. That's a big thing on the internet. Um, and so, and so the media, made, Hillary made it this huge thing. Like when she said, Pepe the Frog was a white supremacist. And that made... Just consider the whole galaxy of things here. I know it's difficult for some people to understand, and I'm not talking about the people in this room because you guys get this stuff. I know you're smart enough. But consider the, consider the, the totality of what we're looking at here. Governments in the Western world, G20 governments, are about to present to, you know, the top 20 economies, which is, you know, the United States, Germany, France, UK. Half of these countries are already in the tank for this stuff. They're going to present... <clears throat> they're going to present proposals that will feed us into a situation of worldwide internet regulation by proxy. What do I mean by that? They will want individual governments to impose penalties on the executives of companies that allow violent content to be shown online. And it'll start with violent content being shown online and then it will become hate speech. 
and hate speech will then fall into disturbing content and disturbing content will then fall into conspiracy theory because all of these terms are ambiguous. All of these terms are ambiguous deliberately because if nobody knows where the line is, it has a chilling effect on the rest of the society and then nobody dares push the boundaries. Ladies and gentlemen, I put it to you that 95% of the reason of why we do this is because we are interested in pushing the boundaries. Because when we push the boundaries, we find out what's real and what's not. Who's real and who's not. And again, I have to, I have to stress because I'm seeing it far too often. People who want to make videos, who want to do live streams, who want to do broadcasts, who want to be pundits are falling into line cheering this for this guy. This this is the most important thing in your world right now. And you're sitting there clapping like a retarded seal. Yeah, yeah, he's an idiot. Fuck him, he says stupid things. He's a conspiracy theorist. He should be torn off the internet. Fuck him. Those poor families. <laughs> you're digging your own graves here. It's horrifying. And, you know, at some point it's going to be your dick on the chopping block. And you're going to be looking around going, hey, why isn't anybody defending me? All I, all I did was say, you know, all I did was push a conspiracy theory. All I did was tell a couple of off jokes about somebody. Why am I getting pinned up? And there's going to be a whole bunch of people who have already been hung before you. And you were sitting there laughing and clapping, thinking, oh, well, if they're taken down, there's going to be more room for me. More views for me. More clicks for me. La -da -da. It's, it's mind-boggling, the ignorance, the stupidity, the complete lack of self-awareness. Do, 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 do you want to experience this? Do you want to be sat down in front of lawyers asking you to describe your inner workings, how you were thinking on an off-the-cuff comment on a broadcast three years ago from a four-second film clip? What were you thinking there when you said this word? If they are allowed to do this, everything will come to a grinding halt tomorrow. Kevin the Frog, the white supremacist, because mm -hmm. she had a lot of power at that point in the news. And so... And so I've been trying to say, particularly, you know, hey, it's not my identity, and I believe it happened, and I'm sorry for your, you know, any pain you've had, but I'm not going to be Sandy Hook man and then take what everybody else did as if what people said and done is all me, and then, and then I'm kind of like the sin eater, and it's all put on me when that's not my identity. I mean, this idea, I know they have shows like Homeland and things where there's supposedly Alex Jones, and then, you know, he does all these things. That's not a real person. That, that's an actor. And then kind of the media fantasizes that they're fighting uh, you know, this, this big boogeyman that's on Homeland, and that's not who I am. You don't believe the official story of Sandy Hook. You think there was cover-up? You think there was manipulation? You think that there is some sinister thing going on? I still... So what? So what? And do you see, this is, this is on... I, I forget who originally posted this. This is an MSN repost. This, this is a Washington Post, the key moments. You don't believe... You believe it was a hoax. You believe it didn't happen. So what? 
and you might be in the audience saying, First Amendment, so what? I'm allowed to question it. But they will always find a roundabout way. This is why this guy needs to be defended now. And I'm not normally somebody who's like, oh, you know, we need to rally the troops. Everybody needs to get behind it. All I'm asking is saying, hey, have a bit of fucking self-awareness here. Understand how important this is. This is landmark shit happening here. For everyone. Well, you didn't believe it happened. You thought it was a hoax. Because now they will they will set a legal precedence that if you don't but if you question X, then you are intentionally infl- inflicting emotional pain on the people that X affects. It's obscene. And this isn't a this isn't a fait accompli here. This is up in the air. And when you've got the entirety of the corporate media machine pushing the angle, like you heard the language in the CNN clip we played, the disgusting, the evil, the vile Alex Jones, they called him a professional uh, professional liar, like it's some kind of job. Oh, he's a professional liar, and he's been making millions of dollars, sell, you know, selling professional lies for years and years, pushing evil, vile conspiracy theories. Somebody even committed suicide because of it. He's your demon. He needs to go down. (laughs) And you know, the sad part is they'll, after Jones, it'll just be normal. And then, you know, somebody with like, say, 10,000 followers on YouTube or Periscope or Twitch or something somebody with 10,000 followers who goes through this same treatment because they made a joke about whatever. They make a, make a Hitler joke or something. Somebody sues them because their grandfather died in the Holocaust and that you were intentionally trying to afflict, inflict emotional pain on this person that you didn't even know, that you never spoke to. Because the precedence has been set, the next story will just be like a, a half a column in a local newspaper. Because once you take down Jones, everybody knows Alex Jones. Nobody knows the guy with 10,000 subs on YouTube. He's, he's just like, pfft, doesn't even get a mention. And his, his story, his like devastating takedown, his complete ruination from his livelihood and banishment from the internet community, that won't even get a mention on the news. That'll barely get a mention as a footnote in a book that somebody writes 50 years from now called How We Cleaned Up the Internet from the Alt-Right Racists. Oh, by the way, and on you know, in July of 2019, this guy got also, he got taken down. And you'll be dead in a gutter somewhere holding a whiskey bottle. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's how serious this shit is. Yes, I still think, I think children died. I believe mass shootings happen. They have one in Brazil, a tragedy, and I believe it's a crisis. Um, and, and I go back to the point of all gun owners being collectively blamed. Then it's traumatic, and, and, and so people go and they find anomalies. And then I've kind of retrospectively gone back and seen how I did believe that stuff. Um, and, and, and then I go back and I've now studied more actually the real anomalies. And, and it's just the school system and government trying to cover its rear end from from from, from liability. 
Um, and, the, and, and so there definitely has been a very, uh, there's been a cover-up of the events. And I think there's a lot of evidence showing there could have been a second shooter. There is the helicopter footage of the man in the woods. Uh, I'm, I still have questions about Sandy Hook, um, but I've, I know people that you know, know some of the Sandy Hook families. They say, no, it's real. People I, I think are credible. And, and, and so over the years, I've, you know. And you know what? Like, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, people, people who follow Q, and you know, like Q has never been something that I've ever really paid much attention to. I've always, it's, it's never really been on my radar. I've always just done my own thing. I've asked questions of it occasionally. And, you know, sometimes something is presented to me. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then other times I'm like, that's completely dumb, you know. But my eyebrows first started twitching nervously when people were coming at me, like, by saying, Q says Alex Jones is a Mossad agent and controlled opposition. Do you see what's actually happening here? If you believe that Alex Jones is controlled opposition or a Mossad agent and therefore the enemy, you by cheering his downfall, you are actually by proxy supporting the thing that you purport to be against, that being the suppression of free speech on the internet. If you legitimately think that Alex Jones is like, if this is all an act and this is controlled opposition, and you're supporting his downfall, then you are actually, they have actually got you cheering for the thing that will end you. And everybody thinks they're a special agent now, and everybody thinks they're like a high-level researcher. They've got you cheering for the thing that will take you down off the internet too. Just like that. Everybody wants to talk about psyops right now. Oh, Alex Jones, this is a psyop. The Mueller report, that's a psyop. Everything's a psyop. Meanwhile, you're you're sitting there giving a round of applause because Alex Jones, the controlled opposition, the theatrics, oh, it doesn't mean anything. It's all bullshit. This is all this is all to control us, really? Really? If this lawsuit if this lawsuit creates a precedent, then it's your ass next. You fucking idiots. Sorry, got to be honest. Especially as it became a huge issue, had time to you know really retrospectively think about it, uh, and and his whole thing matured. You know, had had a chance to believe that children died, uh, and it's a tragedy. But there are still real anomalies uh, in the attempt to basically keep it blacked out. Uh, that generally, when you see that in government. Something's being covered up. If somebody came to you about your murdered child and said your murdered child wasn't actually murdered, he was stolen by aliens and lied to you about that, that's upsetting, right? Yeah. Can you now admit that you've done an outrageous wrong to these parents? Can outrageous you wrong. You know, the... See, and they're saying, oh, he didn't show any remorse, but this is legal. This is legal football here, right? Because he, if they they say, so do you now admit that you did an outrageous wrong to these parents? The lawyer knows that Alex cannot say, yes, I admit that I did an outrageous wrong to these parents because then he is, you know, by default admitting guilt. And if he, admit, if he admits guilt, then they win the court case. 
But what happens here? You leak the testimony. You let all of these little sniveling little underlings of the corporate media clickbait world get their hands on it and extract little two-minute clips here and there. And then you can say, well, look, he didn't admit that he did anything wrong. Therefore, he has no remorse. And if he has no remorse, he must be evil. And if he must be evil, then he must have done the wrong thing. And if he done the wrong thing, then he must go down. Do you see how one, it's like dominoes. One preconception falls into the next preconception, which falls into the next one. Next thing you know, you're standing there clapping, cheering for this guy to go down because he's evil and he has no remorse. (laughs) And again, just like that, they've got you supporting something that you thought you never would. Just like that. It's a horrifying thought. All right, guys. We've been going nearly two hours. It's a marathon. I've got so much more to go through. It's not all going to be serious, but, you know, just bear it in mind. You know, I don't, I don't want to hit the queue people too hard because I think it's a lot of good intentions on, on, a, on a lot of areas, but... Um, you know, if if the slogan is uh, be careful who you follow, then at least make sure you follow this, whether you like the guy or not. Uh, because failure to understand the broader picture and the broader schema of what's occurring here is surely going to end nastily, especially for the people who want to commentate and theorise about things that may or may not have happened in the real world. (laughs) Don't make that mistake. We'll take a quick five-minute break. We'll be back real quick. We'll get into some more fun stuff. If you stick around for the break, then thank you very much. If you don't, so long, sucker. Charge your glass. See you in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 930 to 1030 right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 1130, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have uh, Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha, James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TABshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TABshow.com. 
friend and foe alike, join me for Unprasad every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, StreamMe, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3am Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, that those kinds of comments, whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has, is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's, it's, there's fear of capitalism because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down squashing you, trampling on your dreams. You need to get rid of them. That's selling fear. There's fear of freedom. I mean, why do, why do you think, why do you think safe spaces exist? The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings, trigger warnings just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie, that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them.
coming in hot. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. If you did, if you didn't, well, thanks for joining us anyway. right back into it shall we this one's coming at you fast marriage is allowed at any age in Colorado new bill would implement minimum age ladies and gentlemen what the fuck is happening in Colorado in Colorado I haven't seen this clip yet let's have a look Guys, guys, this is one of those head-turning stories. A lot of us in the newsrooms didn't know this was the case, but take a look at this. We ran the numbers this morning. 4,976 Coloradans 17 or younger have requested marriage licenses wow. since 2000. It, of course, is a story we found out. There's a lot of kids getting married in Colorado. Hey, here's, here's something for you. Now, I'm not known as somebody who is, would you say, overly outwardly supportive of certain cultural marriage tenants of, you know, other societies, put it that way. If you are somebody from Colorado who gets around, you know, at the pub or the bar or whatever, and it's like, yeah, these, these damn moves, these damn Muslims coming in here, they want to marry children. That's perverted. That's wrong. If you're from Colorado and you've ever said that you need to jump, jump off a building immediately, jump off a bridge. <laughs> because since 2000, 5,000 children have applied for marriage licenses and it wasn't even fucking illegal. So you have you have no right whatsoever to criticize anybody for marrying kids in Colorado. Sorry. <laughs> in instances, 12-year-olds are applying to get married. One lawmaker tonight says enough is enough. Weddings, the joy of love. Some of the best parties you can go to. But what if the bride or the groom is a teenager or younger? Could you imagine being married right now? No. <laughs> Preferred not. Even teens would think that's a little weird. And so I, like, I like it. They had to choose the girl with the braces just to make it hit home. <laughs> These are that. Maybe, see, Joe Biden probably missed a trick here. If, should I? No, I don't know. <laughs> Joe Biden should run in Colorado. And if he doesn't run in Colorado, he should at least present the news in Colorado because he will then legitimately be allowed to walk up to young girls with braces on the street and ask them if they want to get married. <laughs> so do lawmakers tonight at the state capitol. Since 2000, 127 Coloradans, 15 or younger, have applied to get married. The same time frame, 10 children, 13 or younger, have requested marriage licenses. In the 90s, we had a 12-year-old who got a marriage certificate. Colorado has no minimum age of marriage. Representative Chris Hansen says it's time for this to change. His soon-to-be-introduced bill would ban marriages for those under the age of 16. 16 and 17-year-olds would require a judge's approval. 
Currently, a parent can sign off on a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old, but Hansen says that has been abused. I know this is happening all over the state where they are noticing situations where... What? Somebody's abusing marriage law? No. No. Never. Never. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just picture some like really old, crusty guy with some kid. And, you know, there'd be, there'd be a family there going, yay, well done. And then the very same family members would be going, I think it's disgusting, these people from other countries and their beliefs. Marrying children, how dare you? How awful. <laughs> Again, I'm not in favour of kids getting married, but fuck. 15 years or younger and 10 came from Coloradans under the age of fucking 13. Ladies and gentlemen, what the hell is going on in Colorado? If you thought LA, if you thought LA was the was the central focus of all the retardation of the United States, may I divert your attention to Colorado momentarily? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thanks for joining us, Ludwig. Good to see you again. 16, 17-year-old girls are being brought in, sometimes with their mother or their father, and the situation doesn't seem quite right. In the coming weeks, the Denver representative plans on rolling out his marriage plan, hoping former teenage brides or grooms come and testify at public hearings in an effort to make clear weddings <laughs> should almost always be for adults. In terms of opposition, no one has declared any problem with this proposed bill as of yet, but of course... <laughs> I wonder why. That's a shock. <laughs> do we have any? Do we have anybody in the Colorado state government system that wants to oppose this law, which will make it illegal to get married to a thirteen-year-old? And like one guy puts his hand up. <laughs> Nobody's putting their hand up. But it might be one of those things, like when the fir if the first guy stands up and uh, you know opposes it, then everybody else will. Well, are they, are they all looking at each other nervously, like in the in the Senate, going, oh, "Should we, you know?" Yeah, I, 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 I suppose I support the bill. I suppose I support the bill if I have to. It's very awkward indeed, Colorado. Woman who pleasured herself on tubes says she was itching a rash. A woman who moaned loudly as she pleasured herself on the tube for 10 minutes but claimed she was itching a rash is being hunted by police. Sarah Hinkson, 37, draped herself across several seats on the Hammersmith and City line and was arrested at King's Cross Station with her hand still down her jeans. What, a, what an amazing town London is. If you don't get acid thrown in your face or a knife driven deep into your liver then you will be lucky enough to take a trip on a, on a urine-soaked train in the London underground train system and witness, uh, you know, a, a woman of African descent masturbating on a seat next to you. I think what a, it's like a thrill a minute in London. It's an absolutely wonderful town. Dreams come true in London. She failed to appear in court and a warrant has now been issued for her arrest. Passenger Anthony Burton said he was quite taken aback. <laughs> the English way of dealing with shit is just fantastic, isn't it? Well, yes, I was quite taken aback by seeing the young lady pleasuring herself on the train. Uh, she, Hinkson groaning, at seeing Hinkson groaning and stamping her feet as hands moved in a, in a gyratory motion. 
stamping her feet. God, I said, God damn. Good question in the chat. And no one recorded it, right? Like we can, we will, re- we'll record somebody bleeding to death after they get hit by a bus instead of helping them, but we won't record the the young lady on the train masturbating. What's that about? Get your priorities right, society. I don't know. Maybe there's just too much porn available now. <laughs> maybe real life porn isn't isn't exciting enough anymore. I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, we did the story yesterday about the 5D porn theater now being open in Amsterdam where you can literally pay like $30 and watch two people fuck on a stage in front of you. People are going to pay $80 to sit there in a, in a movie theater and watch porn instead. <laughs> he said, I was, I was suddenly aware of a banging noise and I thought it was something mechanical. But I noticed that to my right, there was a lady who was laying out across three or four seats. That's quite a spread, by the way. She was banging her foot against the seat or the glass, which was making the noise. All I could see was her hand at the top of her wrist area because the the rest of her hand was in her trousers. It was around her crotch. It was blatantly obvious which part of her body it was. Her hands were moving back and forth in a sort of gyratory movement. She wasn't saying anything, but there were moans and groans of a sexual nature. I was quite taken aback. (laughs) It was at that point I felt uncomfortable. I thought to myself, she is not aware of her surroundings. Yes, very uncomfortable. And I I also noticed a peak in my own trousers at that point. Which, of course, I was quite taken aback. I felt that something should be done, that this lady was doing this and she was totally unaware of herself or people around her. When asked whether this impaired vision had affected what he'd seen, Mr. Burton said, I tend to turn my head to look at things so I could clearly see her. Police attended at King's Cross Station approximately 10 minutes after Mr. Burton first saw Hinkson from Acton, West London. West London. The court heard the mother of one was mostly unresponsive in her interview, but denied masturbating. She told officers, rash on my inner thigh. I was scratching a rash on my inner thigh. It comes and goes. (laughs) She was stamping her feet. She was moaning. Ah, she was spread out. Even if it's a rash on her thigh. (laughs) Rash on my inner thigh. (laughs) I guess, I guess they, how can they prove it? How can they prove it? How can they prove that she was working one out, you know? She was convicted by magistrates who said the case had been proved beyond all reasonable doubt. Hinkson did not attend court and a warrant has been issued for her arrest. Police are looking for a suspect who likes to ride on the King's Cross tube and pleasure herself in front of other people. Flash her face up on the TV. If you see this woman, if you see this woman, call police immediately or she might start pleasuring herself in front of you. How many people are going to make that phone call? You've got the mobile phone in your hand. You see the girl on the seat, on the train, masturbating. It's like, call the police, upload to YouTube. Call the police, upload to Pornhub. Call the police, upload to Twitter. I don't know. I'm torn. What do I do? I guarantee you nobody's calling the fucking police. They'll be cheering her on. They'll, they'll get a selfie with her. Can you put your ankle around my neck, darling? Here, quick. 
Get one with the beave, lad. Get the beaver in a shot. That's the way. That's how you do it. It's a bloody nice cunt you got there, governor. I'll tell you what. I don't know what to make of this one. Talking about our conversation earlier about, you know, social media regulation and stuff. Mark Zuckerberg says Facebook won't delay delay live streams after New Zealand massacre. And you think, oh, yes. I'm not, I don't want to applaud Mark Zuckerberg. I don't particularly like Mark Zuckerberg. I fucking hate Facebook. Some of the shit that they've pulled over the last five or six years, it's like, you know, they were doing social experiments on people to see if they could inject depression into them by manipulating their news feed. And when they got pulled up on it, they said, well, we're just doing science. <laughs> Showing what they really care about their customers. But I don't know what to think about this. Mark Zuckerberg says Facebook won't delay live streams after New Zealand massacre. You see the headline and you're like, finally, we got some kind of small win here. But wait till you hear the first line of this story. Zuckerberg wants more rules and regulation for the internet. The bill- <laughs> it's like, come on, just give me one win. Just give me one. Mark Zuckerberg says Facebook won't delay live streams after New New Zealand massacre. Yes, finally, somebody doing the right thing. And then Mark Zuckerberg wants more rules and regulation for the internet. The bill. No, no. <laughs> Little fucker. Such a tease. Billionaire CEO of Facebook, who has been under scrutiny over the role his company plays in spreading misinformation, wrote an op-ed this morning. He's spreading misinformation. See, this is why I think it's all it's it's all piling on. And I don't know if it's intentional or just coincidental, but it doesn't really matter. The Alex Jones thing, the Article 13 regulation that's now passed in the EU, you know, a new form of copyright law. Anybody who's ever uploaded a video to YouTube, and hey, only 30 people watch my YouTube videos, and I've had this happen to me, where somebody has hit me with a copyright. And I'm, I've, I let it go the first few times. It wasn't a takedown notice, like they didn't ban the video, but it was something like, I can't get paid, but I don't have a monetized channel anyway. So I was like, yeah, whatever. But after it kept uh, coming and coming and coming, and it was some fucking company in Thailand or something, and I thought, no, I'm fucking, I'm sick of this. I, I want to figure out what this is all about. So I went to the piece of video that apparently was to blame. And we're talking like sometimes like a four or a five hour live stream. And it was like 15 seconds of footage. And I went to the 15 seconds that apparently I'd stolen from this person in Thailand. And it was a, a stock clip that I got from one of these royalty free sites. I'm like, you little fucker. So I replied and I sent the link to the to the site where I got the image from. And I said, you obviously don't own this. I got it copyright free, free use, royalty free. Here's the link. And then instantly, like the next day, it was like, oh, we've decided not to do it. And I thought, how often would this happen to people? Like with these fraudulent copyright claims. Article 13 is essentially taking that system and applying it across the internet in Europe for everything. Not just videos, not just music, but like blog posts, um, speech, advertising. It can be dating profiles. And if you want to fight it, you have to essentially hire a lawyer to prove that you are the rightful owner of this content. 
blog posts. It's horrendous stuff. So you you add that into the mix. You add into the mix, you know, we, we, we now have former CEOs and former executives of companies like Twitter, like Facebook, coming out and saying, well, maybe we should just ban live streaming. And the government sit back and go, well, that's a bloody good idea. Let's ban the live streaming then. Why should we have disagreeable content online? Let's just ban it all. Yay! And then you have Alex Jones who's getting hauled over the hot coals with red hot pokers jammed fair up his ass because he dares question something. It's like a full court press right now. Do you know what I mean? It's maximum offense. Calling on regulators to step up and establish a rule book. Writing, I'm quoting now, I believe we need a more active role for governments and regulators by updating the rules for the Internet. We can preserve what's best about it, the freedom for people to express themselves and for entrepreneurs to build new things. While And preserve Facebook at the top of the totem pole as well. Some more. It's time to regulate the Internet. I'm sure, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg wouldn't be saying it's time to regulate the Internet unless the type of regulation, because they never go into the details, do they? They never explain what type of regulation they're talking about. But I'm sure that uh, him maintaining his monopoly, essentially, well, at least partly a monopoly, maybe a duopoly, on you know social media services i'm sure the regulation entails him maintaining that position otherwise he would definitely not be in favor of it we're talking about multi-million dollar corporations here <laughs> they're not in the business of giving everybody a leg up multi-million dollar corporations who own vast amounts of the market share are in the business of pulling up the drawbridge to prevent other people from joining them joining them on the top tier that's generally how it works. Also protecting society from broader harms. I mean, they, they, they lobby governments to make the access to market more difficult for people on the tier below them. Ben is a CNN business reporter and Joni's with us now. So Joni, this is the most vocal and direct Zuckerberg has ever been on this issue. So what's with the change of heart? Yeah, what's Absolutely, with the change of heart? Fred, I mean, every week, every day almost, you know, Facebook makes these massive decisions when it comes to speech and when it comes to political content on its platform and there's very often you know a scandal and debate when somebody gets kicked off the platform or when a political figure is allowed on the platform but some people are saying you know they're spreading hate or white nationalist rhetoric or things like that <laughs> there it is there so it is i think facebook has now gotten to the point of you know since particularly since the 2016 election they have <laughs> uh, we did this in a podcast a couple of weeks ago uh, Facebook has now banned white nationalism on Facebook. And again, you might get a whole bunch of people who don't really think beyond the first level going, yeah, that's a good idea because white nationalism, white nationalism needs to be eradicated off the internet. But then you have to consider what they define as white nationalism. The SPLC advises Facebook on these definitions when it comes to ideology. The SPLC defines Donald Trump as a white nationalist. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying they're going to ban Donald Trump, but you can see the problems that would arise when a term like white nationalism is applied so loosely in such a blasé fashion. You know, if you question certain immigration policies, you might be labelled as a white nationalist. And then whoosh, you're off, you're banned, you're done, you're out of there.
been under such intense scrutiny. And then after they do this, oh, let's ban white nationalism. You know what? It's time to regulate the internet. We need more rules. We need more regulations. Please. Can we get the SPLC in there to lobby the government too? Can we get can we get that? Can we get a working group together? How about a task force? Can we get a task force? I love a good task force. You need a task force and then you need a crackdown. We need to crack down on hate on the internet. Bring in the SPLC. Who's a white nationalist? Everybody. Beautiful. Ban the lot. Sign that into law, Mr. President. You're protecting democracy. <laughs> I think it's a good bill. Intense criticism from the media, from lawmakers, from human rights groups that they're saying, well, I think people need to behave on the internet. I get to keep my Twitter account, right? Yes, Mr. President. Okay. Well, look, you know, if you don't like our rules, we've developed these set of rules. You guys need to start writing some rules for us. Um, and that's where I think they're really putting the ball in lawmakers' court right now. So what might this, you know, kind of regulation... <laughs> Just look at this guy's hair. It's like a flock of seagulls, man. I don't know if this guy is an internet savvy expert or like the lead singer of a mediocre 80s disco punk band. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like at any moment he could break out one of those keyboard guitars. That is a wild haircut. That's offensive. That's offensive on the internet. Look like who would oversee it? That's um, yeah. that that that's quite a lot to, to, for for you know folks in Washington and in in parliaments around the world to figure out. Um, but Zuckerberg yesterday identified four key areas where he thinks there needs for some form of regulatory framework. That's around harmful content. So for harmful content, say harmful content. Not violent content. It's we're we're beyond violent content. We're beyond hate speech. You know, we're beyond that. It's now just harmful. Well, what's harmful? Well, it depends on who you ask, right? I mean, if you've spent four or five years studying basket weaving in a liberal arts college, basically anything is harmful to you. Ladies and gentlemen, the people that the people that study sociology and gender studies and cultural studies and that kind of thing, where do you think they're getting employed? They're not getting employed as mechanics. They're not postmen. They're not truck drivers. They're getting hired at companies like Facebook to advise them, to drive policy initiatives. And, in, you know, using the language of their own kind, they are engaging with stakeholders. They are engaging with stakeholders to gauge the expectations of the community and other associated gibberish. That's where these people end up. Like, how how could it be that the social media companies are, you know, targeting this person? Or how could it be that this is happening, this is happening? And don't get me wrong. I think, you know, nothing makes me cringe harder. Like, like a, a cheekbone shattering cringe when people say, I'm being shadow banned. And you, you, when you, when you post a couple of Donald Trump memes on Twitter, you're not being shadow banned. It's just that nobody's tweeting, retweeting you. And that's, that's totally fine. It's okay. It's why I never say I'm being shadow banned or being suppressed because I accept the fact that I am, for the most part, very unpopular, largely unpopular, and nobody cares what I think. And that's okay. That's fine. I've accepted that fate. I, I revel in that fate. I love it. But if you have concerns about where these, where these companies are going, 
then those are the those are the jobs. When we laugh at the people on universities, like those idiotic kids in universities who have all of these wacky ideas about appropriation and what should be said and what can't be said, these are the jobs that they're going into. They're going into the diversity department at Facebook and then helping drive policy initiatives and engaging with stakeholders, et cetera, et cetera. They're not working at the gas station. Some of them may be working at Starbucks. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Many of them might be working at Starbucks, but that's only until the person who's currently in the diversity role kills themselves or something. In New Zealand, Facebook failed to catch the live stream uh, of the massacre there just two weeks ago. Um, election integrity, we all know about the various issues um, around the 2016 election when it came to Russian trolls on, on, on social media um, and also around private. <laughs> yes, we all, we all did a lot of reading about the Russian trolls. I don't know how many times I played that clip. Remember the... Um, the lawyer, the solicitor for Twitter in sworn testimony to, I think it was Congress, not sure, can't remember if it was Congress or the Senate, he was asked under oath about the Russian troll influence on the 2016 election and he said 0.0001% of all tweets came from Russia or Russian-linked accounts during the 2016 election cycle. Jerry Nadler asked... Um, I think the Google executives, what's his name, Sunjar Pashai, how much how much Russian influence affected uh, Google during the 2016 election, and they worked very long and hard. They did a very very thorough study, and they discovered that Russia people from Russia or people linked with Russia spent a, a grand sum of four thousand dollars in advertising during the 2016 election. Yeah, maybe maybe a Russian person, a person of Russian descent, should take um, somebody like this guy to court in a similar fashion to what's happening to Alex Jones now, because the constant demonization of Russia pushing this conspiracy theory, you're deliberately inflicting emotional pain on me, and that's not fair, and I should take you for all the money you have. I'm not suggesting this guy has a lot of money, but CNN does, on paper. Bring it back full circle. But of course, the whole point is we don't want that kind of behavior to be allowed. It's it's so tempting, isn't it? It's so tempting to, to take that gun off them and turn it around and put it in their own mouth and say, okay, pull the trigger one more time. But it's it's a terrible thing when you have principles. <laughs> and you just, you're like, oh, I really want to pull the trigger on this guy. I really want to make him feel the pain. But you can't because you know in the end everybody loses so privacy and data something that we've you know heard a lot about since the cambridge the, the best the best possible hope you have is you know doing your little part to try and alert people to what's happening and then if if that's all we've got then we're pretty much fucked anyway i guess a scandal which broke last year now you know this this very much is i think mark zuckerberg um, and facebook being proactive really saying to lawmakers, look, guys, you know, you can you can write laws for us and, you know, we can work within that framework. But it could also be that, you know, Facebook has realized that a lot of this stuff is inevitable. There are multiple investigations. It's inevitable. Don't try to fight it. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. You I tell you what, you peasant, you lowly citizen, 
the sooner you accept the reality that we are going to fuck you on the internet, the better off we'll all be. The more you try to fight it, the harder it's going to get. Trust me, it's inevitable. Regulation is coming. (laughs) Corporate overtaking of our everyday experience on the internet is going to happen, whether we like it or not. Remember, we played the clip uh, a few weeks ago of that guy on, on the talk show here in Australia. He said, well, you know, I'm sure people don't like the idea of the government regulating their posts on Facebook or Twitter, but they're just going to have to get used to it. <laughs> and it's like, who the fuck is this guy? What do you mean? We're just going to have to get used to it. Just just like that? No discussion? No debate? <laughs> Ocean Nathan in the chat. We have a dissenter. <laughs> Exactly. Ah, the sooner we get used to the idea that the internet is going to be ruined beyond you know all recognition, the better off everyone's going to be. I, you just make peace with the tyranny now, so that way when the tyranny happens, you know, try to look surprised, but at least you'll be accustomed to it by the time it gets here. Horrendous stuff. All right, we save the best to last. Oh, we will get to your tweets too, by the way. Let me get the right page there. That's better. Um, this was very fun. I'm not going to play play the whole thing. It's 46 minutes of deranged people demanding answers, all, all 24 of them, about 24 or 25 people here at this little rally. Uh, Jerry Nadler kicked off the proceedings, which is almost like, you know, a funeral opening for Guns N' Roses. Everybody, big red, big round of applause for this dead guy. Ooh. I mean, it's, it, although, to be fair, after Jerry Nadler, every speaker looks inspirational, so. I don't know. But let's watch a little bit of this. The release the report rally. <laughs> There's a rally for everything these days. Fired the next day because of that. But that began a series of events that led in certain directions that I don't have to mention because you all know them. Because the special counsel cock knew. (laughs) Jerry Nadler. Jerry must be thinking, gee, this rally gig is tough. I went to a stand-up gig in Ireland in County Cork back in 09. And I was really excited to go to this stand-up gig because I love going to stand-up. Well, I used to. I don't anymore because stand-up's fucking ruined. But I thought, hey, in Ireland, in County Cork, which is like right down the south, it's nowhere near Dublin, so that's okay. And we're going to get some like proper Irish comics here who'll just push the boundaries. And went into this went into this room. It was in a bar, sectioned off room, and the room was big enough for like fifteen people. And there was like five comedians on the bill that night, and it was it was fantastic. Like I was, I was heckling. There was to and fro. We all ended up getting drunk and high together after the gig. I was just a tourist, you know what I mean? They closed the bar, but the it's it was it was amazing because it was like a conversation with everybody having fun. But to, for a stand-up comedian, it, it when the room is smaller, I would imagine that it's so much tougher because, like in a big room, you can't hear individual comments. <laughs> It's just like a wave of sound, a wall of sound that moves around the room. But in a small room like that, in a tight gig, you can hear everybody who's not laughing. So the pressure would just get ramped up. 
and the lights are in your eyes and all that kind of shit. So I imagine Jerry Nadler in this moment when he's speaking at a rally, <laughs> a rally of two dozen people, it's never a good sign when you can hear individual people, even though they're supporting you, right? And they're doing like, they're wearing like people power shirts. We the people, we the people demand the report and stuff. And if you say something that's supposed to be like a rebel rousing comment, a rebel rousing statement, if you can hear individuals in the crowd saying like, yeah, right on, that's not good. That's, that's not a good sign for Jerry. Jerry wants a... But Jerry didn't get that. Jerry got individual people going, yeah, that's right, Jerry. Damn straight. That he needed access to the Oval Office tapes and the evidence of significant abuses of power by the president. Today, <laughs> did you hear Justice, like one General. person? What did you hear it? You heard it? One person. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll fast forward. You need to see where they try to get chance going. They they get chance going with the with the two dozen people. And we will get you that report. The grassroots are not going to take this anymore. Grassroots. Um, it is. We're back. I am it is a grassroots rally because there's so few people there. All I can see is fucking grass. <laughs> that's now that's a grassroots rally. When you when the guy pushing the lawnmower can easily do his job without mowing over somebody's sneakers, then it's a grassroots rally. Ready with move on. Uh, this is the No One Is Above the Law Coalition. Stephen Sears, and it's been a unifying us. force to protect the integrity of the Mueller investigation and all investigations to unlawful activity by this president and his counselors. You know, we were here about a month ago, right? <laughs> In the very same spot where the president declared his dubious national emergency. <laughs> we were here a month ago, right? <laughs> In the very same spot <laughs> where the president announced his dubious national emergency. <laughs> Look how effective we are. Come back for number two. Come back for round two. Do you see that big victory we had here a month ago? Well, we're back again to exercise our power. Slow and our learners. actions in conjunctions with the Castro resolution, that measure passed both the House and the Senate, and we sent a stern rebuke to this president saying we're, he's not going to have it like he did in the 115th. Yes, he is. This is a new Congress. The 116th Congress is a okay. new day. There's some new sheriffs in town, and we just saw one of them just now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we Imagine being so detached from your position in the universe where you consider Jerry Nadler to be a new sheriff. <laughs> the guy who's been there. The guy who's older than the stones that were used to construct the White House itself. Yeah, there's a new sheriff in town. Really? Looks like this. Looks like the same old sheriff who's been skulking the around the hallways, stinking up the place for the last 35 fucking years. That's the new guy? Jesus Christ. Won't stand for continued obstruction especially in light of recent reports from the New York Times and the Washington Post. And with a president and administration that believes in alternative facts, like, sorry, not sorry, we just don't trust you, man. <laughs> we just don't trust you. So, in fact, you know, the president was for releasing the report before he was against it. And since you cannot make up your mind, we'll help you make up your mind, you know. <laughs> the Congress requires a full report and underlying evidence to do its independent work as a co-equal branch of government, and we're here to demand the full report. Demand the full report. We the people demand the full report. Here's a chant. Here's a chant. We, we the, the people, people demand, demand the full, full report. report. What? We what? the people demand full report. You talk. 
<laughs> I reset the first time. Say what? <laughs> it's independent work as a co-equal. We, the people, demand the full report. What? <laughs> I like when he's adding, he's adding in little production notes. Because you got to have flavor. you got to sex it up, man. Of government. The kids the kids these days, they don't know how to chant unless you put a little bit of ad lib in there. A little bit of Aguilera styles. And we're here to demand the full report. We, the, we pe the people, demand the full report. We, the people, demand the full report. What? We, the people, demand the full report two times. Two we, times. the people, demand the full report again. We, oh, the people, demand the full report. Thank you. <laughs> there's, a, there's a sign language guy on the stage and he's bopping along. He does the sign for two times. Shit is gangster. <laughs> if you, I I paused it before when I was watching it. There's actually more press there than there is protesters. <laughs> they put all the protesters on the right hand side of the screen. <laughs> Everyone on this side's got a fucking camera. <laughs> we the people demand a full report two times. Three times, three times. So we're not alone. People from all ideologies and backgrounds want to release. Oh, control yourself. Control yourself. Calm down, everyone. Calm down, everyone. This is serious. This is the full report. We're one event of the 330 across the country today for this moment. And Lisa will tell you more about that. Thanks, Reggie. I'm Lisa Gilbert with Public Citizen, one of your hosts. It is amazing. Let's give it up for Reggie. Woo. Give it up for Reggie, the Tune Meister. Two time Reggie. That's what we call him. That's what we call him down at HQ. Nobody works a crowd like Reggie, I tell you what. To be back here with the Trump is not above the law. What? A movement. So we turned Woo. out in force when we needed to in November. Woo girls. Pushed back on the pick of Matthew Whitaker. And we are standing here again today, unified in our demand for an unvarnished, full Mueller report. Unvarnished. As the whole world now knows, Attorney General Bill Barr, Trump's hand-picked guy to run the DOJ, sent a four-page summary of the 400-page special counsel report. Very low energy. It took 48 hours energy. to reduce 22 months of work to four pages. <laughs> See, what I like about that is, is like, they keep saying this line, he reduced 22 months of work down to four pages. And I'm like, but there's another way of looking at it. He managed to get into four pages what it took Robert Mueller 22 months to write. Like, maybe this is not saying, maybe this is saying that the report is shit, that it only took four pages to explain what it took Robert Mueller 22 months to discover. Just because it took somebody a long time doesn't mean that the explanation needs to be equally long. Like, if you're friends with a moron who can't figure out two plus two, just say it takes your moron friend a week to figure out the answer to two plus two. And then you come back and, and write on a piece of paper. He said two plus two equals four, five seconds later. It doesn't mean that you're simplifying it. It might mean that the person who wrote the original equation is a fucking moron. Do you see what I'm saying? Boo. <laughs> His brief summary is no substitute for the full and final Bob Mueller product. 
And we've got so many unanswered questions, not the least of which is why did Mueller leave wide open the question of obstruction of justice? <laughs> Good question. Good question. I haven't listened to Bongino for like two or three weeks. I listened to it today. Oh, if you see, you can't see, but on the right-hand side, you can see the Periscope uh, comments. And somebody who I've never seen before said, uh, called me an old Aussie prick face, which was nice. I laughed. Ah, thanks, man. I'm getting noticed now. It's good. So uh, I haven't listened to Bongino for ages, but I listened to him this morning and I thought what he said was pretty good. Like as a theory, as a working theory. Um, Robert Mueller leaves the leaves the obstruction question open and then hands it to AG Barr and then the Democrats can just use that as a political weapon against AG Barr to say that he's biased because he found no obstruction. It was Robert Mueller's job to decide whether or not there was obstruction. So if he leaves it open, then you can have an ongoing debate for the next two years leading into the 2020 election. And they're just going, they're just going to walk right over the fact that Mueller was supposed to figure out whether there was obstruction or not. So if he doesn't answer it, it's an open question that just lingers out there in the atmosphere and the Democrats can spend the next two years saying, well, no, look at the report. See, here, here, here and here, that's obstruction and AG Barr won't prosecute because he's working for Donald Trump and he's trying to cover it up. But we got the report that we demanded, blah, blah, blah. You see how all this works, right? Because if Robert Mueller actually answers the question and says there was no obstruction, then it closes it off as an attack point for the Democrats to use later on down the track. So he needs to leave the question open. That way they can just prosecute it for the next two years, regardless of how pathetic it is, because they really have nothing else. Americans deserve to know the truth, and we cannot rely on conclusions that are coming to us through a filter from the president's inner circle. So we need to see the full report and the underlying findings ourselves. And we're looking to Congress and the champions we just heard <laughs> from to take That's the a next step, the, the report if it's necessary and digging in on the unanswered question. Because the real question is what are they so afraid of us yeah. seeing? <laughs> so we are here today and at 330 other locations around the country demanding that they release the report. We get another chance here in a second. We're going to focus the country on that demand. Yep. And we have an incredible group of speakers who are going to get to the heart of that demand because we dem focus the country on this demand. I see two old ladies on a park bench, not not even 50 feet away who aren't even focused on your demand. One of them's in a wheelchair, so she barely has a choice whether she's there or not. <laughs> you could just wheel her over and she'd be part of the crowd. Put the brakes on her. We're going to make the country listen to our demands. You can't even make everybody in the park listen to your demands, darling. I love the enthusiasm, though. And the truth. We demand the truth. We demand the truth. What? We demand the truth. Two Let's times. Hear it. Let's demand hear it. She's doing it too. And now to March. It doesn't work if you're not a black guy. Yeah, I'm March Baker. It doesn't work if you're not a black guy, love. Let's hear it. Let's not and say we did. With people for the American way and so proud. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Why is it whenever these pathetic, piss weak, pusillanimous protests seem to somehow spring up in parks where nobody's interested. Why is there always an old woman? Sorry. I know we have a few boomer women in the audience. I'm obviously not speaking to you. Present company is excluded. 
but many of your comrades, I'm afraid, they bring you down. <laughs> Wherever there is a weak, low-energy protest with manufactured outrage and pretend enthusiasm, there is a boomer woman wearing a scarf and a jacket with shoulder pads. You know what I mean? <laughs> She's always there. Not this particular woman, but one of, like, I think they're clones. They clone them out and they send them out to all of these little protests around the United States. There's there's always a, an, an abundance of old women at these things trying to relive the 60s, the acid trips of the 60s. Now's our chance. <laughs> 60s hippies retreads trying to relive their glory where they can no longer take drugs because of the medication that they're taking and they can no longer, you know, have sex with random men with flowers in their hair because, you know. But they're there nonetheless. I mean, without the sex and the drugs, all you've got is rock and roll. We demand the report. Two times we demand the report. Say what? Ah, that's what I remember. To be with you and so humbled to be with you. Look out there. You all are the champions of democracy and we're not alone. There's 330 <laughs> other. You are alone. <laughs> look at the guy in the back of you looking at his phone. <laughs> you are most definitely alone. There's very few people at this rally. Very few people, darling. We are not alone. No, there's there's an equal amount of reporters who are going to say, "Oh, look at look at this." <laughs> You're not alone in that respect. Events in 44 cities around this country going on because we will not sit by because what's going on? Events in 44 cities. Do you know where this one was? This was at the fucking White House. Surely the biggest event would be out the front of the White House. If this is the event in one of the cities and it's happening out the front of the White House, can you imagine how sad the other protests were? Oh, can you imagine it? And can you imagine being like the resistor, the eager resistor who looked at a Facebook, an upcoming Facebook event a week ago, the release the report rally. And man, you were so excited. You got mum to make you a sandwich for the day. She gave you the bus fare. You headed down to the local part, eager to meet your fellow resistors and engage in some good old-fashioned democracy, baby. You were looking forward to the chance. You were looking forward to the comradeship. You were looking forward to the to the musical the musical interludes of somebody trying to gin up some kind of support. You were looking forward to meeting the boomer women and asking about their experiences in the 60s because that's all they want to talk about. And you get down there and there's like four guys, four guys and one really ugly girl and they're all competing about who's going to have sex with her and nobody really wants to. But you don't want the day to be a complete waste, right? And you know you're not going to last long anyway, but it doesn't matter because you just want to score something before you take that long bus ride home because the ticket's only good for one night. And mum made dinner and it's in the oven when you do get home. It's like, yeah, we're changing the world here. We're engaging in democracy. We're resisting. 
everybody else is dumb except for us. Is that Trump and Barr are trying to make the Mueller report go away and we won't let that happen. nearly blew a puffer valve then we won't let that happen won't you <laughs> what if i hide your diabetes medication then what what are you gonna do then will you let it happen <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> so sad i'm laughing because of how sad it is I mean, she's showing the kind of rage that one might expect when you steal a humbug out of Nana's lolly jar. You know what I mean? When you take a piece of Nana's licorice, her special licorice that she keeps for special occasions, Saturday night when she watches reruns of The Price is Right or something, you know? We won't let that happen! Yay! There's a cowbell. I heard a cowbell. The American people have a right to see the report. (sighs) The guy on the back bench, he had just looked up when he heard the cowbell. He was like, fuck, is there a cow over there? What the fuck? Is there cattle in this field? And Congress needs the full, unredacted report and findings to do their job. There is public corruption. There is abuse of power. Abuse of power. There is obstruction of justice that has to be investigated. Yeah. Congress needs the report. <laughs> it just was investigated. <laughs> there is obstruction of justice that needs to be investigated. Wasn't that what the whole last, it's like the last two years never happened. It didn't happen. The Mueller report, the Mueller investigation into obstruction of justice, it never occurred. It's like it never happened. This is goldfish stuff. Look at the shiny thing over here. Oh, oh. You know what this needs? You know what this needs, this speech? Another chant. Do its job. We say release the report. 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 Great. Fantastic. Now, on to... Oh. Oh, boy. Dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. (laughs) Great. The chant. You know when you start a chant and it stops as soon as you stop chanting that you haven't actually started a chant. If, you, if you're doing a Mexican wave at a football stadium and you're the only one who's getting up and doing the wave, then you haven't started a Mexican wave. To start to, to be regarded as somebody who officially starts a chant, the chant must carry on after you start it. If the chant ends when you stop chanting, you haven't started a chant. You've just been screaming at people. There's a, there's a very small but important difference there. It could have been, you know, Boomer Hero starts chant of freedom amongst dedicated resisting crowd, but the headline instead's being old lady yells at tw- two dozen people in a field somewhere. 
Do you see what I mean? One more story before we get to your stuff. Self-proclaimed time traveller reveals picture he took of dinosaur 66 million years ago. We're getting a lot of these stories lately about time travellers in the shitty British rags that I like to read for fun. Let's have a look what this guy's got to say for himself. However, I would like to show you this picture of a T-Rex that, like I said, was taken 60 million years ago. The picture I'm going to show you is actually of a purple T-Rex. Here is the picture. taken 60 million years ago, ladies and gentlemen. I mean... (laughs) I don't know. We live in strange times. What's even stranger is this, this is not even the strangest thing on the internet. This isn't even close. This is not even close to the strangest, most ridiculous thing on the internet right now. This barely rates a mention. It, it, it's so not strange that it ends up on like a news website. Wait, what? <laughs> you want to see the dinosaur picture? Taken 60 million years ago? Looks real to me. Purple dinosaur. And you can see it shows an actual living T-Rex that was captured on camera. And I took this within the time machine that I was in. It's good to see in the future that they still haven't perfected um, bad YouTube cutaways. Cause like he, he can't really get the picture centered in, in the shot. The lighting's terrible. He comes from the year 2082, but uh, filming techniques have not improved at all. You know, between now and the next 50 years, we've discovered a lot of things. We've discovered time travel. We've discovered the cure for cancer, but we still haven't discovered how to film, a, you know, a, a decent amateur video. That's still a beyond us. That may as well be at the far reaches of the internet. I guess when we figure that out, we will truly be touching God's hand. You know what I mean? That's too far. A bridge too far. Time Traveller reveals there are underwater cities in 2033. Along with people visiting and living in space, we also have cities at the bottom of the oceans. This is because overpopulation is such an issue in the future, we are forced to come up with some pretty unique ways of life. I'd like to be under the sea. In an octopus's garden, in the shade. We would be so happy in 2033. No one there to tell us what to do. This guy listened to really far too much Ringo Starr. And one song is enough. One song is enough. I've actually visited one of these underwater cities. Uh And let me tell you that they are absolutely amazing. You ride in a submarine, 
and it brings you to a gigantic underwater city, complete with everything cities on the surface have. In 2033, that doesn't give us a lot of time to start building these underwater cities, by the way. A gigantic city takes longer than what, like, we're nearly in 2020 now, right? We've got 15 years, basically, to construct gigantic underwater cities in order for the 2033 underwater city prophecy to become to become real. Like, I'm, I'm not even sure Donald Trump could pull this off on time and under budget. There are a lot of scientific problems. Unless we, you know, unless we invent some kind of, unless we invent some kind of building technique which renders all previous technology useless in like 2032, it's like, oh, fine. Thank God we figured that out because now we can build something the size of Beijing under the Atlantic Ocean. Good thing. Good thing we got that sorted. I would think if we were building, if we were living in underwater cities in 2033, that building should commence yesterday, like immediately. Otherwise, a lot of us are going to drown. There you go. Self-proclaimed time traveler reveals picture he took of dinosaur 66 million years ago. Very unimpressive. Why can't these time travelers ever come back with some cool toy? Like we had picture, we had pictures in the 1800s. This is not convincing, my dear fellow. Come back from the future with some kind of laser beam or something, some something that makes people's heads explode. And it was like, oh, okay, now we can believe it. But they always come back with some shitty photograph. I'll miss the sun <laughs> in the chat. Yes, that's true, but we're already dead in 12 years anyway, so what's the difference? All right, let's get to your stuff. Kimmy Jong-un sent this one through. The dark horse that we predicted on Trust and Verify Sunday nights with James R. Pete Buttigieg. We highlighted him about a month ago. Since then, he's become third in um, the opinion polls for the Democratic hopefuls for the presidency in 2020. Much he's actually really tracking along the same lines that Barack Obama did. Just what? In 2007. Democratic presidential hopeful Pete Buttigieg in 2015 addressed two local police controversies in South Bend, Indiana. They must have been the only two in South Bend, Indiana. By saying in an official speech that all lives matter. Dun dun dun. Oh, no. Oh, no. The guy who ticks so many boxes. Actually, you know what? This is a genius play. Because, of course, if he says all lives matter, then he is by default a racist and a white supremacist. Don't you see what they're doing here, Kimmy? He's actually ticking the final and most important box. He's ticking the box of the bigots who voted for Donald Trump. He didn't fuck up. On the progressive side of the ledger, he's gay. He's a millennial, right? They get that. On the Donald Trump side, he's a veteran, he's a Rhodes Scholar, and he's also a racist. He can't go wrong. He can't lose. He cannot lose. The gay millennial veteran Rhodes Scholar comes out as a racist by saying all lives matter. He'll get 100% of the vote now. He'll get all of Donald Trump's votes because only racists vote for Donald Trump, and he'll get all of the Democratic votes because he's a gay millennial. He cannot fucking lose. He's an absolute genius. An absolute genius. 
Buttigieg was apparently referencing his administration's refusal to hand over tape recordings of South Bend police officers that remain the subject of a legal dispute, as well as the City Council's request that a local police officer stop selling T-shirts that seem to make light of the 2014 police killing of unarmed black man Eric Garner in New York. New York shitty. Is this a video or is it just supposed to look like a video? Okay. That's not doing anything. Buttigieg, a 37-year-old openly gay veteran, has taken the Democratic field by storm since he launched his candidacy in late January. The Liberal mayor is credited with the economic turn turnaround of a Midwestern city in a state that went to Trump by nearly 20 points in 2016. What do you think investors oh, are watching goes. closest? Yep. Well, I think they're looking to see who might be the nominee. And we look to the 2018 election and see if that gave us any clues. Uh, does the Democratic Party want to pick someone from the left? Does the Democratic Party want to pick someone from the center? Uh, they look to see that if we get someone who comes out of the Midwest uh, and they're able to convert Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. That's the first thing I said when I looked at Buttigieg a little over a month ago now. He comes from one of the states that um, the Democrats want to take back from Donald Trump, Indiana. He's right in that. He's right in that hot spot. <clears throat> and now we know. Now we know he's also a racist because he said all lives matter. He's an absolute shoo-in. Gay veteran Rhodes Scholar, millennial and racist. Ladies and gentlemen, your, your 2020 president, <laughs> Pete Buttigieg. Mayor Pete. Can't lose. New consent condoms can only be opened by two people. Oh, this is... This surely has no logical flaws whatsoever. The condoms can only be opened when four hands simultaneously press special pressure points on the side of the packet. So, so I can... So you can drug the girl first then and just grab her hands and put it on the packet, right? Like, problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved. Just drug the girl first. Done. Although, if you're drugging the girl first, I don't know why you'd be wearing a condom. If you're, if you're anything like me, it's because you hate the smell of burning rubber. Let's have a look here. Very slow. <laughs> Kimmy in the chat, great for gang rape, although you'd all have to share one condom, unfortunately. See, it's so dumb because you would just, wouldn't you just, <laughs> wouldn't you just get your buddy to press on the buttons beforehand anyway? Thanks for, thanks for opening that fortress of a condom packet, bro. All right, I'll be back after I rape this chick. See you soon. Buy me a whiskey while I'm waiting. Tulipan has always spoken of safe pleasure, but for this campaign, we understood that we had to talk about the most important thing in every sexual relationship. Pleasure is possible only if you give your consent first. It was launched after AHF Argentina, an organisation which campaigns for the rights of people who are HIV positive in the country, 
revealed the results of a new survey in which only 14.5% of Argentinian men said they regularly used condoms during sex. Some 65% say they occasionally use condoms, while an alarming 20% said they have never used a condom. Alarming. Alarming. There you have it. Well, I'm sure that's. I'm sure that will take off, and <laughs> you probably have to pay an extra like ten bucks for a condom as well, to, in order to get the consentido. Consentido. Fun game. Google search <clears throat> Florida man. This is from FollowQ. Google search Florida man together with your birthday to find out what fucked up shit went down on in Florida on the day you were born. I will do that later, but I'm not going to put my birthday live on on screen. <laughs> but I will do that when the when the show is over. Ah, oh, I saw this article the other day and I was tempted I was tempted to play the video. I haven't watched the video. I was tempted by the headline Inside Canada's first weed curling tournament because I thought curling is arguably the most boring sport on planet Earth. So it was only a matter of time before some Canadians got together and said, you know what this sport needs? To get high. <laughs> we just need to get high and then all of a sudden this sport's going to be fucking amazing, bro. Yeah, we were just playing some... We were just doing some curling, eh, on the, on the ice and we just thought we need to enhance this experience, eh? Are you guys into curling? <laughs> like, yeah. See, right, here's the thing. I We're definitely, in, definitely into weed, though, bro. 420, bro. We're going to get so high, man. Yeah. Everything's better when you smoke a bong. I mean, look at the guy on the right. He looks like he's in his fucking 50s. He's been waiting his whole life for this sport. <laughs> he's got a beard that hasn't been shaved in at least 10 years. He's wearing a sweater that he got on his 18th birthday. 35 years later, here, here he is. This is his glory time. This is his moment. Final, finally. Finally a sport where I can smoke weed and do it at the same time. Yeah, bro. This sport was made for me, eh? <laughs> look at his high right now. Look at his look at his grin. Yeah, bro. It's the curling community that embraced cannabis for the first time since legalization, so we're curling. Fucking look at mutton chops over here. <laughs> He's smoking a joint right now. Why is he wearing a cowboy jacket? <laughs> Middle-aged potheads are, are something special. There's something to behold. Middle-aged potheads have had a lot of time. Like, I think everybody in here has probably dabbled at one stage or another. Dabbled in a little reefer. But, you know, you kind of, you come, you come to grips. It doesn't become the dominant central part of your life. You know what I mean? If you are in your 50s and weed and weed culture is the central part of your life, then, you know... You're lacking in other areas. It's probably too late to start a family at this point, but you could definitely take up like chess or something. Don't take up curling because that will only encourage your weed habit. I mean, this could have been anything. This could be a spelling bee and we'd be here. Okay. It's a great mix. <laughs> okay. Let's get high at a spelling bee, bro. Yeah, man. 420. Fuck yeah. Woo. Cannabis and curling, right? 
This is our rural cannabis culture. Where am I right now? I don't even know. I'm so high. I would definitely still rather be here than that fucking rally though. So I just got to Wyerton, Ontario, and it's about three hours north of... I genuinely want to go to Canada though, because they say it's like Australia except cold. So I'd want to see it. <clears throat> and when I was in Scotland, um, I, there was a couple of guys from... They were from Washington, I think. Yeah, they were from Washington couple of Americans there was a couple of Americans and a couple of Canadians and there was myself and my wife from Australia obviously and we were all at a bar together it sounds like a joke but it's not a joke we were spending a few days like doing a tour of like the islands in Scotland like the Isle of Skye and stuff and the Loch Loch Ness and Loch Lormond and so my wife and myself were eating dinner at this bar with the Canadian couple and I saw the two Americans walk in, two brothers. And I said, hey, come over and sit with us. And they're like, nah, man, it's cool. We're just going to go over here and watch the game, you know, watch some football. I'm like, oh, okay. And so later on, the Canadians went to bed and we were having a drink with the Americans. And I said, why didn't you come over and sit with us? And they go, can't fucking, can't stand Americans, bro. Uh, can't stand Canadians, man. Don't like them. And I'm like, why don't you like them? They're so nice. And he goes, yeah, that's the fucking problem, man. They're too fucking nice. And I go, what do you mean they're too fucking nice? And he's like, fucking Canadians, man. They're too fucking nice. It's like they could walk out of their house and their fucking house is burning down and they'd walk out and go, fuck me, what a beautiful day. <laughs> they're too fucking nice. <laughs> Toronto, it's a tiny town. A couple thousand people live here. And I'm here for the inaugural bong spiel, which is a weed a curling tournament. I don't know too much about curling, let alone weed-infused curling. So I'm going to head inside, talk to the organizers, and find out what the deal is. And you're with the media? Yes, I am. All right. We've got some rolling papers okay. and a little mini uh, high-grow thermometer. This is free? Yeah. For people who want to grow weed? Yeah. Okay, cool. A little hydro right. kit on your way in. It's nice. So everyone knows knows what to do. Can you explain to me what a bond spiel oh, you see, is? And then you've got to have a you've got to have a four twenty somewhere, don't you? I was waiting for it. Got to it's got it. There it is. It's not an official bong tournament unless we put four twenty on the wall somewhere bond spiel is and then what the difference is between that and a bong spiel. So a bong spiel is a curling tournament. The bong spiel is the exact same thing, only it's uh, cannabis related. So how many people are you expecting? We have capacity issues. We could have filled it three times over. West Canadian girl in the chat, you've got some explaining to do, my dear. <laughs> you've got some explaining to do. <laughs> I like how West Canadian girl just shows up now when we're talking about Canada. It's like a sixth sense that Canadians have. Somebody's talking about my country. I need to be there. What happened was a friend of mine got hold of our initial poster that we were going to release to sponsors. Okay, okay. this is the inspiring story of, about how the Canadian weed curling tournament came to be. 
and he he leaked it, and it went uh, viral. It went and viral. We filled, it, filled it up in less than 24 hours. So I was like, oh. Okay. Everybody in Wharton got a copy. It went viral. Okay, well that's that. And did you run into any resistance trying to get this organized or trying to get it greenlit? Well, I mean, I've heard there's naysayers, but none of them have come forward to me. <laughs> there was no resistance because nobody cares what a bunch of middle-aged potheads do on the weekend. You know what I mean? <laughs> nobody cares. A bunch, a bunch of Canadian potheads in some little town somewhere want to get high and do curling. It's like everyone's like, why would I resist that? Who gives a fuck? At least they're not driving. At least they're not out on the road. I think everybody's really curious to see how it shakes out. You're going to see generations of curlers who've been toking for years. And now it's legal. Yeah. No <laughs> of course, of course, he's wearing a flannelette shirt. Fuck, man. Of course, he's he's like six feet five, a bearded man in a flannelette shirt. I and I bet you his team is called the Lumberjacks. You know what I mean? Couldn't be any more stereotypical. Just some weed smokers doing some curling, eh? I play for the Lumberjacks. Say it. Yeah, exactly. I would like to welcome everybody to the Wyerton Curling Club. This is kind of a groundbreaking event. Groundbreaking. We have a lot of seniors living here who are very set in their ways. Again like with the change. boomers. So that's one of the things we've had to deal with a little bit. With the new laws, there is no consumption on a recreational property. So that means not even in the parking lot. Oh, if dear. you go outside and you overindulge, you could be denied re-entrance to the... These fucking daft motherfuckers. <laughs> Only in Canada. Only in Canada. <laughs> they, so these daft motherfuckers come up with this harebrained scheme to host a, the, the world's first bong smoking curling tournament. The first weed curling tournament. And the first rule that they set out for the combatants of this tournament is you cannot consume any weed on the property. <laughs> what a fucking ripoff. Are you fucking joking? What the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, it's so fucking sad. <laughs> And, and even worse, if you go off the property and get high, we might not let you in. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> How is this a weed tournament then? That's the fucking funniest thing I've seen all week. Wow. The, fir the first weed curling tournament. So really, the only thing that's a that associates this tournament with, with weed is the fucking the flag there with the marijuana leaf on it and the 420 sign that, that fucking imbecile pinned to the wall. Otherwise, there is absolutely no weed allowed. <laughs> So really, it's just a bunch of like old weed smokers who have been smoking pot for three or four decades getting getting together to do curling whilst not getting high. Wow.
Wow. Ducks region is in the chat. Now you know why those guys avoid Canadians. Oh, absolutely. I'm sold. I'm in. I'm down. Now I get it. Now it all makes sense. Holy shit, man. <laughs> We're going to the weed smoking curling tournament, man. It's going to be so fucking awesome, bro. Everybody, welcome to the weed tournament. First rule is the first rule of weed curling is you do not smoke weed at curling. <laughs> <laughs> Look how fucking serious they are, too. Like this we cannot break this rule. Holy shit. That's fucking sad. When the cool uncle becomes the creepy uncle. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if we get over that one. It's fucking terrible. What are you doing, Canada? Jesus Christ, you can't even be cool. It's it's minus 40 degrees outside. You still can't be cool. Everybody in there is a weed smoker and you're not smoking any weed. It's just a bunch of old potheads playing, playing curling sober. That's not fun. That's fucking depressing, man. Jesus Christ. I, I reckon that would make people at that tournament stop smoking weed. And be like, really? Do I want to be a 67-year-old guy at a curling tournament in 30 years' time? At a weed curling tournament and I can't even get high at it? Fuck, I need to make some I need to make some changes in my life. I'm going back to school. Fuck this. Fuck this. When the cool uncle becomes the creepy uncle, me too isn't the only reason Joe Biden is being seen in a new light. Not that long ago. Uncle Joe Biden was a term of endearment rather than an epithet. I wonder how many girls, young girls, would have stories about creepy uncles. I'd wager a few. A few. Yeah, there was always that creepy uncle at that family gathering, wasn't it? And that was him. That's what he looked like. Come over here and sit on your uncle's lap. Biden's reputation as a wise elder has evaporated into the reputation of a cool uncle. <laughs> Philip Bump, writing for The Atlantic, wrote in 2014, Two years later, New York Magazine called him America's honorary cool uncle. Well, who decides that he's cool? Who made that fucking call? Who made, who's, who's decided what the writers at The Atlantic are now deciding what's cool or not? God help us all. God help us all. <laughs> I, bet I bet they're all at the fucking weed at the weed curling tournament I, don't know, I have to see more the building this is not our laws but we have to kind of enforce it anyway okay we're walking smoke a joint so have you been out here yet no where, oh, okay. where is it well it's, it's just around the corner they say is it that tiny one yeah yeah it's the tiny oh wow seems well, like you can hotbox that <laughs> you've got it you've got I'm sorry the weed tournament's too much so you have to leave the property, walk around the corner. You can't even be in the same fucking street. And then at the weed curling tournament, they take you to this pathetic little plastic tent. Hey, this is our this is our weed hall, man. This is our den. We're gonna have a session in here. Isn't it fucking awesome? And you're all just standing there awkwardly like your low-paying customers on a Japanese fast train, you know? 
Well, I think that's the idea, right? So, what is your curling team? We're the Shed Crew team. It's because we're all fellows that hang out in the, the shed. The Shed Crew team. So it was in the shed where the idea was like, fuck, man, you ever curled before? And my bro, <laughs> Eric, who's out there curling right now, he's like, oh, hell, man, I grew up in Arthur. It was mandatory till grade six. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. If, if I was a lifelong pot smoker and I met these two guys at a weed curling tournament, I would give up. I would take the blunt out of my mouth and stomp it on the ground and just walk home. Even if I had to walk halfway across the country, that would be it for me. I would give up. That's it. I've, I've had enough weed. How the hell did I end up here with these guys in a plastic shed at a weed curling tournament where nobody's allowed to smoke weed? That's fucking sad. Amber, thanks so much. That's fantastic. That is a fantastic video. Thank you so much for sharing it. But the cool uncle has become practically overnight the creepy uncle. On one level, the driving reason for this is no mystery. Within the past week, two women have accused the former vice president of unwanted touching. He was just showing affection, though. Lucy Flores said he kissed the back of her head at a campaign event in 2014. Very common behavior once upon a time to smell somebody's head and kiss it. And Amy Lapos said he put his hand around my neck and pulled me in to rub noses with me. Well, you know, he really wants to reach out. He's very, very fond of the Eskimo community. Joe Biden and Bill Clinton have been known to engage in a little bit of weed curling themselves. At a fundraiser in, 20, in 2009, these accusations coming in the Me Too era have prompted a re-evaluation of Biden's history showing physical affection towards women and girls. Physical affection. So, you know, like the manipulations are just so obvious now that it's barely worth pointing out. But one man's physical affection, if it were somebody of a different political persuasion, would be another man's misogyny and brutality and violence against women. When Uncle Joe does it, he's showing affection. When somebody else does it, they hate women. Uncle Joe. He's finished. He's done. He's done. Uh, theme song for creepy Uncle Joe Biden. Boingo, boingo, little girls. Is this going to get me... It's going to get me... Questions, they don't. Want to scold me? They don't. Look for answers. 
Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. A more appropriate song nobody could find. I'm trying to find a rap song about Joe sung by Brian Kilmeade yesterday. It was great. Follow Q. Roasted. Nicely roasted. Just lightly roasted. Slapping is a sport in Russia. Oh, we'll do the Steel Panther one first because they're fucking terrible. <laughs> Stefan, <laughs> the Steel Panther videos. Steel Panther television. It's no budget, but it's fucking round. Hey, what's up? What's up, man? <clears throat> uh, my name is Satchel. You probably know that because I'm really one of the more popular members. Panther, and this is Sticks, the drummer. I'm Sticks. I'm, a, I'm the same popularity. We're in the same band. Well, I'm glad you're with me because honestly, I tried to do Science Panther uh, not too long ago with Lexi, and it was really difficult. It's, it's hard to do with him. It was really, he's, really difficult. He's dumb as a fucking rock. He's, he, you know what he's, his brain, this is a lot like Lexi's brain. That's Just funny because today we're going to. These are these are so awful, but I'm off of Lexi's brain. That's why this. I'm starting to like them because they're just so bad. Not only the same shape and size, but it's the same consistency as well. And I'm so glad that you joined us, all four of you. Yeah, way to pull I'm not liking it. I don't like it. Like I don't look forward to it. But I'm starting to like miss it. When it's not there, do you know what I mean? It would be like if somebody beat you in the face every single day in high school. The first day that they don't beat you in the face, you feel strange because you're not getting beaten in the face. You know what I mean? The next 30 seconds. Let's try to get through this experiment before you come. All right. Talking to you, Dad. Your dad's You've got the... This, your dad's you know good I mean? at coming. You ready? This is... Vinegar right here. I'm gonna put the vinegar. No, in. you put the egg in first. We're gonna put the egg in first. That's what I said. Jesus. Watch. This is Lexi's head. Oh. Ready? That's exactly what I looks this like. Is, this is really fucking depressing, Steph. But you don't hear it because Lexi's got a lot of brain fluid, and the brain fluid in Lexi's brain, strangely enough, we were able to drain some of it. Mm-hmm. From his spine. And from his spine while he was asleep last night. We got the brain fluid right from his spine. Crazy. That's where it lives in Lexi Fox. Uh-huh. And uh, it's amazing how invigorating it is when you drink it. Oh, invigorating. Get it. Fucking hell. I don't know why he sent this shit to me, man. <laughs> I get it. It smells like vinegar. <laughs> That's that horrible. Smell? Oh like, I got God. nothing. I got nothing. There's nothing I can say to this. <clears throat> I have nothing to add. <laughs> there is there is absolutely no take or no angle or no gag or no, you know, insight or any I cannot I cannot deliver anything to this. I cannot add any value to this at all. And that either means that it's brilliant or it's really, really, really subpar and I haven't decided yet. It's like a highly cleaned vagina. That I don't like them. I like the dirty vaginas. Me too. You know, I'm very dirty. I like to get up in there. That's stinging. Oh god, I like it when a girl's been like horseback riding. Uh huh. She's you know been to yoga and hasn't changed her yoga pants for three days. Worked out for she like two hours. Those puppies dirty down. vaginas. A hot August day. Stick my ting. My ting. Stick your ting in it. Oh god. Oh. Oh god. Okay. Now what we now have we to wait. do? We is just wait. fucking wait. Just look at it. 
This is terrible. They must be really rich to be able to fucking shit on their fans like this, by the way. There's probably fans are just waiting for this content. They must be so they must have so much fucking money that they couldn't care less. They just gotta do something on YouTube. Stefan was really high. He was curling at the time when he sent this through. Cut it. All right. It's about time. That was about 18 hours. That was awesome. 18 hours. That was awesome. It didn't seem like it. Was awesome. Now what you have to do is you take a ball. Fucking take me, take me to the non-smoking, smoking curling tournament, please. Jesus. A really runny semen. And you pour the egg into it. Or is that semen or is that water? Oh, God. It smells so bad. It smells so bad. And what you have to do is... The, the shell should come right off, like just peeling the skin off Lexi's head right now. All right, ready? Now we bounce. Did it this work? Way. Now we bounce. It already Lexi's worked, brain. huh? Is it, is yeah. It, is it gone? And now we're right. gonna we're gonna actually bounce here's the, the egg. Here's the test. This is amazing. This is gonna blow your mind. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna start here. Ready? All right. How amazing is that? Let's try it higher. Thanks for that, Steph. <laughs> I hope you'd redeem yourself with this one. Get slapped silly. That's, that's, that's what I would do to Stefan right now if I was standing in front of him for sending that Steel Panther video. I would be the big guy with the beard slapping the shit out of the guy on the other side of the desk. <laughs> what the fuck was that? It's just a Sunday in Russia where two men participate in a slap-off until one of them is left standing. <laughs> this was at the Siberian Power Show last weekend where there were also events like bodybuilding contests and dance battles. See, I would, I would much rather watch this. I would much rather watch people like standing at either side of a desk just giving one slap each than UFC or anything like that. This is much better. This is like a barroom sport. You know that you know that thing where you take a shot and then you punch the other guy in the face, he takes a shot, punches you in the face and the last one standing wins. This is far more this is far more like my style. All right, let's just slap each other and see who gives up first. That's a better sport than like cuz there's very little training involved. You don't have to learn, you don't have to understand the science of pressure points and all that kind of shit. You don't have to put up with Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan is nowhere to be found here. You've just got some Russian guy screaming in some foreign language. He's like, I, ain't, I can put up with that. That's better than Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? It's just a Sunday in Russia where two men participate in a slap-off until one of them is left standing. Can somebody send this to um, the resist rally that we watched earlier? There is at least five times as many people watching two guys slap each other in the face than there was people, quote unquote, fighting for the democracy of the American Republic in regards to releasing the Mueller report. Can we just send that through? So he, look, here's how you get a crowd. Get somebody up on that stage to slap that uh, boomer woman silly and then all of a sudden you'll draw a crowd. Trust me. There were also events like bodybuilding contests and dance battles, but none could compare to this now topless bout of Gotta strength and pain tolerance. Look how they warm up. 
wouldn't you want to go your hardest hit first? Of course, there is at stake 30,000 rubles, or about 465 bucks. The guy with the beard, Vasily Kamatsky, took home the grand prize. Maybe the idea came from a similar event last year, still in Russia, at the Sarichev Power Expo, with a prize of, you guessed it. Is that guy wearing a Captain America costume? That looks like the, that's the Captain America shield, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. Some guy from the States watched this and he's like, yeah, that's something I need to get involved in. <laughs> he's, he's representing representing Captain America on the world stage in the Russian slapping contest. <laughs> Fantastic. USA. The crowd would start chanting USA, USA, because obviously they support Donald Trump, the whole country, right? I mean, they fucking elected him. They elected him. Why wouldn't they cheer for the American? Well done, sir. Excellent stuff. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a marathon. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, everyone, in the chat. Salvatore, Stefan Sears, James R., the, the flying Hawaiian. Uh, James R. will be on with Chris Mack tomorrow night unless something has drastically changed. But I suggest uh, you follow Chris Mack at ChrisMC44, 11.30 p.m. Eastern, Pirate Radio. Chris Mack and James R. It's always a good time. James also hosts Ladies of Liberty on a Saturday night at 11 o'clock, I think. James, put your hand up so people can follow you if they're in the chat and they don't already. <coughs> Ladies of Liberty with the girls. They scream over scream over him, but it's a good it's a good it's a good sight because it's one of the very few occasions where James doesn't get to do what he wants. <laughs> so it's worth it just for that. Every time he's like, if I could just, I just want to, if I could just get a word, it okay. I just want to. Can we just play that? I just want to. I just want to. It's it's the greatest hosting spectacle you'll ever see on Periscope. So follow James R at Real Person PLTCS. There he is for Ladies of Liberty on Saturday night. And I'll be back on Sunday night, 1 a.m. Monday morning with the Flying Hawaiian. He does the weekend shift. I do the weekdays. He does the weekend because he's a sucker like that. He's a sucker for punishment. The owner and CEO of TAVshow.com. Uh, we'll be back Sunday night together. Trust and verify. If you want to watch that show, follow at TAV show or just go to TAVshow.com. Uh, until then, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'll be back next week with the Daily Boogie podcast. Thanks so much for making another free for all. Well, I'm not going to say a memorable one, but it, at least we killed some time. We killed a bit of time on a Thursday night. Thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And if you'd like to argue for my deplatforming, slap me in the face or invite me to a weed curling festival, you can do so by getting in touch with me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us, Ocean Nathan. 
Good to see you, Monica. Ducks Regionus. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jules. See you next time. Salvatore. Pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us. Sandra. Thanks, Tracy. See you next time. Thanks, Gypsy. See you soon. Chickadee. Stay away from that coffee drink. More wine. Couldn't agree more. Remember, tomorrow night at Chris MC44 for Pirate Radio 11:30. At Real Person PLTCS for Ladies of Liberty Saturday night. Sunday night at TAV Show for Trust and Verify. Have a good weekend, guys. See you soon. Bye bye.